For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning at Hockey for All Center at Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest and online on our YouTube channel, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thrilled to be live on location this morning. As I mentioned, we're here in the Flynn Ring rink, if I'm not mistaken, at Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest. So it is if Flynn, that's it confirmed. Is, thank you, Ezzy. There you go. It is the Flynn Rink. So if you are around and you're tuning in while at Fan fest come say hi to us we'd love to meet everyone live and in person and for all those who are joining us on the internet it is nice to see you as well as per usual in our youtube channel along with ezra ginsburg to my left and Dave Manuk to my right. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. We're here for the next two hours talking everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. Even though I know training camp started a couple days ago, this right now feels like the true start of training camp to me. Fan Fest is really where you start to, at least in my opinion, you, got, you start to feel the excitement for the season beginning to build. You see the energy that's in the room. You know, hope springs eternal for all 32 NHL teams on this weekend and in the lead up to the season even the team that everyone expects to be the bottom feeder that's not the Winnipeg Jets for the record but even those teams that don't have a lot of expectations right now everything looks good there's Kelly Moore from CJLB walking by our good friend gentlemen good to see you all on this Saturday morning yeah good to see you boys it's always fun to do on location shows we've got producer Tim with us yeah. obviously it, making this whole thing happen yeah if it wasn't for producer Tim who's been our producer going on way back to 1290 A days. decade. Yeah. If it wasn't for producer Tim, none of this would happen. The three of us are Luddites at the best of times. So producer Tim is the brains behind this operation. So all hail producer Tim for making this happen. And if anything screws up over the next couple hours, it's producer Tim's fault. <laughs> That's hilarious, Drew. Yeah, no, it's great to have Tim here. And yeah, as you said, Drew, now that training camp is in, I'm not sure if we're calling it day three or day four, yeah. but uh, day hockey four. season is officially back. Yeah. And we've got a couple of back-to-back -back games, home and home, between the Jets and the Oilers. We're going to talk about that, but absolutely. Now that we have line combinations and then we actually have, you know, on-ice practices to talk about, it's a lot more fun than uh, just talking about everything in theory, right? So... Um, yeah, let's get at it. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're, we've already given away about 15 Illegal Curve mini sticks. Yeah. I think Dave was hoping that, that those would last till 11, but uh, I think we've only got a couple left. But we're having a great time. There's already a really good crowd here, and uh, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, so if there's a rash of crime being committed by mini sticks, we'll know, we'll know, yeah. we'll know whose mini sticks those are. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a, we'll start the show off, though, because it's a very special day for my baba. It's her 96th birthday hey, today, so happy birthday to Baba Shirley, uh, who's celebrating today and all day. So, uh, shout out to my Baba to start things off. And you know what, guys? This is probably the first time. This is the first time we were talking about this before. This is our first show here at the uh, uh, Fan Fest since 2019. Yeah. And uh, as you said, Drew, it's nice to see everybody. I've been seeing people here at training camp all week, but this is going to be a big crew, a big, a big opportunity for fans to connect with people, which is which is fantastic because it's something we haven't seen for a long time. Another thing that we have never really experienced, in my, at least in my recollection, 
is the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets telling us essentially his lines and his deep airs <laughs> at the start on day one of training camp. I've never experienced that before. We've never had an easier situation because how often can you ever say, oh, I know the lines, I know the deep pairs. Yeah. We don't have to even think, like, that's why I always joke with the, the fellow media guys the last couple of days, because I said, when can I ever remember, like they're tweeting out the lines? I'm like, there's not really a point to tweeting out the lines. We know the lines on D1, provided there's no injuries. The only question in our minds right now is who's going to be the 13th forward, who's going to be the 8th defenseman. But other than that, we actually basically know everything there is to know about the Winnipeg Jets before training camp has even really gotten underway. And guys, I know Danny Shilkin is a top Jets prospect, but now he's the second line right winger for this team, so well, pretty impressive. <laughs> no, obviously a placeholder for Nick Ehlers. Yeah, exactly. Nick Ehlers' injury, of course, the injury bug, not exactly how Nick Ehlers wanted to start the year as well. It's a neck uh, spasm issue. He injured it working out. It doesn't sound like it's anything too serious, but how many times did we hear that with regard to Nikolai Ehlers last year, and then it obviously turned into something, but fingers crossed it isn't anything uh, more than a minor, uh, you know, uh, bugaboo for Nikolai Ehlers. Let, let, let's start with your point, though, Dave. Ezzy, what did you think of, of Rick Bonus sort of starting the season by declaring his lines? And, of course, lines can change, and they do change, and they will change throughout the course of the season. But I did find it to be sort of an interesting tact that he took, saying, look, this is these are the 12 guys that I have marked in, well, not permanent ink, but semi-permanent ink to be my forwards, health you know, notwithstanding, and these are the six defensemen that I have. It, to me, it was a bit of an interesting approach because usually what you hear from coaches, of course, is, you know, oh, we want there to be battles for training camp. Guys are going to be playing their way into getting jobs. You have to put out a full effort. Meanwhile, he's coming out and saying, look, this is the, these are the guys who I have almost marked as winning their, their, their role, barring something unforeseen. Well, in the last couple of weeks, us, Winnipeg Sports Talk, who's right beside us, they're going to be broadcasting later today, I think around when the jersey is going to be unveiled. Yeah, I think they're doing that. I think they're after us at 11, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. So what have we been talking about for the last couple of weeks? Who's going to be the 2C? Everybody knows who's the 1C is. And the names were Cole Pervetti, Gabe Velarde, and Vlad Nemestikov. And I think all three of us agreed that we thought it was going to be Cole Perfetti or Gabe Velarde above Nemesnikov. And, you know, here we are. And what Rick Bonus is coming out and saying is early in training camp, it's Cole Perfetti's job to lose. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. Like, I still have time for Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Nick Ehlers on the top line. And I'm not saying that, you know, Gabe Velarde, you know, is going to struggle on the top line or anything like that. Because obviously, you know, they brought him in to be a part of this top six. So I think oftentimes we fixate on first line, second line, as opposed to looking at it like, the Jets have two really strong lines. The Jets actually have four really strong lines. Well, the depth and arguably is... their best depth yeah. since 2018, right, when they had Matty Perot and, and Brian Little. Forget if Brian Little was the fourth-line center or the third-line center. I'm pretty sure Adam Lowry was the fourth-line center with Perot, and I forget who I'm missing on, on that line um, back in 2018 when the Jets went on the run. But the point is, Bonus isn't... I mean, he's not being cryptic, right? Like, mm -hmm. he's saying... Cole Perfetti, this is, he's a natural center. Yes, he's played a little bit of wing, but we're giving him this opportunity here. And I agree with you. I think the second line's gonna look different, the first line, the third line. Um, but I think it's, it is a refreshing approach um, to, for a coach to basically say that, no, this is gonna be Cole Perfetti's job to lose, as I mentioned. And, you know, staying healthy is gonna be a big thing for him, but he's obviously got all of the talent and the smarts in the world um, I think he's going to do a great job as the second-line center. Well, he, I'm he not saying he's going to stay there 
in a, for eternity. But, but I'm just saying that. I mean, I think it's natural to give him that opportunity. What, what I like about it, Dave, is, you know, you, you take the player in Cole Perfetti, and look, he said himself this week he's most comfortable playing center. So put a player in the best position to succeed, and then if there's troubles or if there's struggles, cross that bridge when, that, when you come to that. But for now, you know, you have a player who's really a key portion of your present and your future. You drafted him to be a center. Let him run with that for a little while and see if, if, he, if he can handle it. I mean, I like that idea of putting him up there and sort of saying, this is your job to go with. When you've, you've earned it so far, or we, we say you've earned it, keep it and run with it now. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, the reality is, as you just said, they, they haven't had that opportunity for Cole Perfetti, right? I mean, obviously, he was with Moose, and he got that chance to be a center, but we've seen this story before. Jack Roslevic, right, 2015 first-rounder, was one of the best players in the AHL. Right. Not even a question. And he was called up to the NHL, and they put him on the wing. And they, in fact, before he got called up to the NHL, they actually moved him with the Moose to the wing for about a 10 games, and I was like, this is unusual. Yeah. Sure enough, gets the recall, and he's on the wing with, with the Winnipeg Jets. So we've seen that story before where who is going to be the heir apparent? Wrote about it on IllegalCurve.com yesterday because they've been trying to find a replacement for Brian Little, even when Brian Little was still in the lineup, of course, you know, so who was going to take his spot eventually. But then, of course, prematurely gets injured in 2019, and now you really need have a need, a necessity for that second-line center. Of course, it doesn't work out with Jack Rosovic. He gets traded. Pierre-Luc Dubois comes in. He's here for three seasons. He's gone. So who is going to be the guy for now and who's going to be the guy for the future? And now it's Cole Perfetti's time to shine. And, and I watched him in the AHL make that adjustment as a 19-year-old, come to the American Hockey League. And I talked about it with Pascal Vincent at the time, and he would say, you know what, the reality is this. He's, come, he's a junior age player who's a smaller guy coming to a man's league. He was on the periphery, very peripheral, where he accumulated his points and where he played. But you saw him transition and start to understand how he needed to adjust and play with men and get to the middle. And we saw it. We watched it by April. He was doing it. And I highlighted that in the piece. You saw a goal where he came from the, the moose zone and then aggressively cut to the middle. And he knew he, he could take contact, but he was willing to because he knew that's what he needed to do to have success. So to me, and if you didn't get a chance, really listen to Cole Perfetti's comments yesterday about what he said. And we've got him on our YouTube channel. Don't watch them now, of course, but watch them later. <laughs> or you can go on the, the post I wrote, talked about because that, of course, also features them transcribed but essentially it's the way Cole Perfetti sees the ice and it's talking about you know because when he's on the wing he really only has two ways to go and this way he said with the, being up the middle he's got that third option of going up the middle and for him I think that's going to keep him away from the wall which is of course uh, less of an opportunity to get injured yeah. but also allow him to use how cerebral he is as a player and, and, you know, guys, we shouldn't underscore how important it is to have experienced wingers in Nino Niederreiter and Nikolai Ehlers with him. And I think that is going to go a long way to six, giving Cole Perfetti that opportunity for success. Because that's what we always say. Guys need opportunity. Well, he's get the, got the opportunity in front of him. And now I suspect he'll take it and run with it. Well, you mentioned the, the presence of a guy like Nino Niederreiter. And so what does Nino Niederreiter do so well? What has he done so well throughout his career, As he? It's crashed the net. 
he goes hard to the net. So if, if you can keep Perfetti, and not to say that Perfetti won't also go hard to the net, but if yeah. you keep Perfetti from having to be that guy down low, and said Niederreiter's the guy who's going to get you know all you know a, a bulk of goals within a couple feet of the blue paint, and I think it was Murat, and Murat's going to join us in the, about 15 minutes or so. He wrote about how in one of the in one of the rushes during uh, during training camp so far, you know. Niederreiter, I think, went hard to the net, and Perfetti was then able to sort of find soft ice and be high for also being defensively responsible. And you know, we know the the bugaboo that defensive responsibility has been for the Winnipeg Jets, especially when it comes to some of their centermen. So all of a sudden, if Perfetti doesn't have to necessarily go low all the time and he can also stay higher get into that soft ice where he can use that vision that he has and that playmaking skill that he has you know I I'm really excited and I think a lot of people are are excited to see what it's going to be like with Cole Perfetti in that role sort of being because that's not a role that we've seen him at the NHL level thus far he's been when he's played when he's been healthy he's been on the wing he's been you know hasn't really necessarily had that opportunity to take that second line center role and run with it as he absolutely and I think the, the only certainty in the top six is that Shifley and Connor are going to play together right they might you know mix up that line a little bit but I think you're talking about a lot of speed and a lot of skill. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. And yes, Niederreiter gives you a little bit more size because let's be honest, that's not a big line, both in height and weight, right? So Nino Niederreiter is a guy that I think we expect to see possibly on all four lines, right? <laughs> and that's the thing, right? When you're talking about Nito Niederreiter, Vlad Nemesnikov, uh, Alex Ayafalo, Gabe Velarde, all of these guys can move up and down like it used to be we always talked about guys like Michael Froelich and Matthew Perot right. now the Jets have four or five guys David Gustafson Dave is another guy that can play on the wing or he can play center it looks like he's probably going to be a winger in the short term we'll see what happens in the medium to long term but when you're talking about you know some of these guys that are currently in the top six yeah don't get too comfortable I still would love to see Perfetti between Niederreiter and Velarde and again I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here because we'll see what happens in in training camp and even if we see some of these lines for the first five to ten games of the season I think you could see that change you know for games you know 10 through 20 right but there's absolutely no doubt I specifically am looking forward to the chemistry between Perfetti and Ehlers because both of these guys can hold on to the puck obviously Ehlers is the quicker player but both of these guys can shoot the puck they can get into open ice and Niederreiter is a guy that we know that not only can he crash the net he's a guy that's got a really good shot uh, smart hockey player and all three of these players are good defensively right so I know we're spending a lot of time here on the second line but I mean the first line is much more of a certainty the second line and with Velarde there I mean Velarde had a career year last year he's been playing on the right wing even though he can play center so I think you know there's I look at it more like the Jets top nine than than just the way the lines are currently configured because a guy like I, Alex Iafalo guys can play on your top line right mm -hmm. like he's obviously not slotted in there now and Vlad Domestikov is currently on your fourth line based on what we've seen at practice right. he's a guy that can play second line center what? so it goes back to that idea of the Jets forward depth is better than it's been in many years you, you're, there's no question about the forward depth and what I, what I do like and as he mentioned it look when the Jets have had their best success I would say over the years 
they had guys that they could move up and down their lineup. A guy like Michael Froelich back in the day, Matthew Perot, a guy who can, you know, start on a fourth line role or a third line role, and then depending on the team and how it's going, can move up if there's injuries or if there's struggles or whatever it might be. That's how I envision a guy like Vlad Nemesnikov this year, Dave. I mean, I just think there is the luxury, look, the, the depth that the Jets have right now, and of course, there's going to be injuries in the course of the year, but right now, you know, let's assume there's not. That that That's a luxury that the Jets, I think when they're at their best, they have that ability to move guys up and down the lineup based on performance and based on just who's going on any given night. And so I think that's something that when the team has had its most success, they, they've had that ability, and that's something that I think you're going to see this year with, especially a guy like Vlad Nemesnikov. Because if you'd say Vlad Nemesnikov is going to be on your is going to be your fourth line winger, you know that would be a luxury this team uh, needs and a team, uh, and that's good for them to have. But what I wanted to ask you about, Dave, or sort of conversely, as he mentioned it as well, Gabe Velarde. You know, he comes in. Everyone when they when the Jets acquire him from Pierre Luc Dubois, a lot of people think that they're bringing him in as that second line center. Instead, they're parking him on the first line right wing. Do you think? Given that his success there last year, you think that's sort of easing his transition and, and not putting excess pressure on a new player in a new market, especially coming off a year that was his best career, his best year as an NHLer so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a reasonable take, Drew. I definitely think that they don't want to have Velarde's start in Winnipeg become one where it's right. difficult. So I think you're right. You want to put him in a very successful situation. You also know that what is Gabe Velarde? Gabe Velarde is responsible defensively. Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor. What is Gabe Velarde? I can tell you what Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley aren't. Not necessarily the most defensively responsible. Although I actually, watching Kyle Connor, man, the way that guy skates, insane. But regardless, the fact is that adding Gabe Velarde to the lineup gives them a little more, you know, strength defensively from a line that's not very strong defensively. My fan club has arrived. All right, well, that's always good to have a fan club. Actually, no joke, Drew. Timmy can back, can back us up here. Drew had a bit of a fan club before we started. There was the, like a group. The I best part like a few is, families he, that were waiting up to shake Drew's hand. I paid them to come. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, no, that's what I'm not telling no. you. I, I paid You're being them to humble. show up. You're being humble. You've got a following. <laughs> I see Drew Nation. Anywho, so the point is that that you've got a, an opportunity to give Gabe Velarde the maximum ability to a have a good impact defensively on a line that isn't known for that, but b also you're going to find offensive success with Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and I suspect the idea will be that they'll spend the majority of their time in the offensive zone. And so I think that, yeah, I think you're going to put him into an opportunity where he's going to be able to use his assets, which is, we, we saw how good he scored against the Jets last year. He, he can put the puck in the back of the net. And with those guys' ability to find each other and potentially him, I, I think it has the opportunity to be a very good line. And just get into your overall or overarching thought, Joru, of, of depth i mean yeah that's what we've talked about for this jets club for how long is the lack of depth and you're right when you have morgan Barron and vlad Nemestikov now potentially as you, and as drew has touched on the caveat being of course that injuries are going to happen but when you are projecting that as your fourth line it's a pretty good fourth line and this rasmus kapari i have to say again having known absolutely nothing about him prior to him being part of the deal watching him skate He's actually a pretty smart player. He's a very fast skater, and he's a pretty, seems pretty good defensively. And Rick Bonus, again, wasn't trying to pigeonhole him, saying he's only going to be your fourth line center, but that's where they're going to start him. So, again, this is a rough outline. It's not written for sure in pen, but that seems to be a reasonable expectation. And again, if you're a Jets fan, you have to like the fact that you're not going to be reliant. What have we always talked about, guys? You don't want to be reliant on just 
one line to score. You want to be able to think multiple lines can score. And so that's, I think, from, a, from that perspective. And, and for the people who are watching at home, Drew's not really waving at him, he's waving at him. He's just wanting you to think that people are waving at him. It's not real. And, and just you know, quickly sticking with Kupari, guys, I mean, he was a first-round pick at the end of the day, right? Like, I don't think anybody's expecting Kupari to come in here and score 30 goals. Um, but he's got a lot of talent. I remember but he scored, he, but he's scored an, a nice goal against the Jets last year. He's an NHL player. And and so often over the last couple of years when it came to the Jets' fourth line is that they were grabbing people to be on their fourth line who were fringe players or who were guys off another team's waiver roster and they're getting popped into the lineup. And, and that's not going to be the case this year. You Like you said, you know, there's really the battles at training camp are primarily for that 13th forward position and that seventh defenseman. So and, the, and there are still those battles. Like, if you don't think that Axel Janssen Fjallby or Jansen Harkins yep, or yep. Dominic Toninato, I mean, they their goal is still to make the Jets. It's going to be tough for them because as we talked about right now, you've got Morgan Barron and David Gustafson possibly on that fourth line with Kupari. But, I mean, there are still players like everybody at tra training camp wants to make the Jets. There's I mean, no obviously, question. certain players have zero chance of actually making the big club, but you still have the Harkins and the Toninados and Jonsson Fjallby, to your point. Yeah. Jonsson Fjallby played, I don't know how many games, 40 last year, 50 with the Jets on the fourth line. This year, it's going to be tough for him to get that many games. You know, there's one player in particular that I want to see a lot of from this on this training camp, and I was a little surprised where he's been penciled in, and that's Mason Appleton. Because Mason Appleton, to me, is a guy who when he's playing at his peak, and this is a guy who's, of course, had injury problems throughout, you know, anytime he seems to get on a roll, he suffers an injury, and that's terribly bad luck. But that's a guy who I was a little surprised was on that third line for the Winnipeg Jets, was sort of, or at least how, how Rick Bonus laid it out to start, that he was going to be on that third line role with Lowry and Ayafalo. Mason Appleton, to me, is a guy that there's always should be more from him than we're seeing. And so I think he's a guy who needs to have a good strong training camp because there's you don't think morgan baron wants to get into that role i'm sort of surprised that baron wasn't in that role uh over appleton or, or you know uh, you know to start but appleton is a guy and i've been saying this for a lot of years that i want to see more from and i want to see more consistency from him in his game well you want to see more offense sure like, for sure mason appleton's a big guy he can skate dave yeah. i mean dave's been you know, document. If anybody's been documenting Mason Appleton's rise from the American Hockey League, like he was a what a fifth round pick, sixth Six. round pick, right? Six, yeah. So he's had to work for everything that he's got, right? As Chef, Chef Duncan. Chef is here. Rich just walked yeah. by. Good friend, Rich Duncan. Um, great to see him here. We're gonna we're gonna see a lot of people here, boys, especially with all the icy Drew Nation that's, that's right. obviously <laughs> coming out to show their support for Drew. But yeah, I mean, look at guys. Like, there's absolutely no nothing written in stone and, and in terms of appleton yeah i agree drew like that's what's been the biggest knock on him is that he can go five ten games without contributing any offense with i i have more i think baron's upside offensively is higher than appleton's offside uh, upside and you know you do have the option of having guys like nino niederreiter and vlad domestikov on the third line as well yeah. so again i think there's not as much certainty in terms of the actual line combinations as, as the man himself, Huss, walks in. Um, but yeah, I, I think Mason Appleton definitely has probably more to prove than he did over the last couple of years with all of these additions, namely the guys that have come over from the LA Kings. Well, and I, just to jump in, Drew, I, the only thing I was going to add is the idea is nobody's job is safe. You know, sure, Rick Bonus basically set the 
the table as to what it's going to look like. But training camp still is there open because you need to establish that's what it's going to be. And so it's easy to, for us to sit here and say, this is what it looks like, this is the number, this is the way it's outlined. But at the end of the day, you still have to be cognizant of the fact that, look, a Jansen Harkins, an Axel Johansson Fialbi, a David Gustafson, all those guys are going to be gunning for an opportunity and nobody's going to be satisfied with, nobody wants to be put on waivers unless, again, they're looking for an opportunity with another team. But, which of course that would es essentially give them because, you know, you essentially have to play the guy. But, but what I'm saying is, so from, a, from that perspective, there's, there is still a competition. So even though I'm saying it's, it's nice that Rick Bonus gave it to us, I say that from a, from a perspective of content, but the reality is you have two weeks of training camp and these guys are being evaluated and you need to have, a, you know, and, and again, like I said, and we'll talk to Murat when he comes on, you know, soon in, in, in about how he's evaluating guys because that's the thing. All of these guys are being evaluated, obviously, specifically by the Jets brass to see. And there are risers and fallers. And so to me, even though you know we started on day one with what we said was the established you know order that could change by day four which is today you're, you're absolutely right i mean you do have to win you do have to you know you may have won the job to start but you have to hold on to the job it's like taking the reservation on Seinfeld. <laughs> you know how to take the reservation but you got to keep the reservation but you know i saw so, that episode recently actually yeah that's good yeah. it's a good laugh yeah. but to me again mason appleton is a guy who needs to have uh, who needs to really step up because you're absolutely right jansen harkins i know he hasn't done it really consistently at the nhl level but you can speak to it uh, uh, more than anyone dave just how good he was for the moose last year yeah. and how how much he contributed offensively so that's a player who's coming off of a year who obviously is disappointed that he's not at the NHL level for the most part last year but if he can build on his AHL level and you know if Mason Appleton isn't producing offensively it, you know it's not even necessarily strictly uh, uh, offense there were just too many games from my perspective as he where Appleton sort of wasn't visible where he would just disappear for games at a time and if you're not going to put the puck in the net then you need to be contributing in another manner. It can't just be disappearing. You can't just be taking, you know, 10 to 12 shifts a game and, and doing whatever and not really contributing. You have to have some impact on the ice, uh, you know, th uh, th during those shifts. Right, and Appleton's a good penalty killer. Like, let's yeah. not forget, you know, Lowry and Appleton, you know, they've formed a nice duo, whether they're together or not. They're good penalty killers, but you're right, Drew. I mean, because the Jets have better forward depth this year, there isn't going to be, you know, the opportunity to have a stretch where you're not contributing offensively on the third line, right? Like, there just isn't. So, and, and to have Mason Appleton on your fourth line, by the way, isn't a bad thing, right? Like, the Jets are going to have a better fourth line. Like, Saku Manalainen, when he was out there, I mean, he just wasn't able to provide a lot of offense. Kevin Stenlin, I think, did a nice job. I don't think anybody expected to see that much of Kevin Stenlin with the Jets last year, at least some people, not everybody. But, I mean, these are upgrades. David Gustafson, I mean, he's going to score a goal this year. I will I will put that on the board right now, Ginsburg David Gustafson. But Gustafson's a guy that, I don't know, you guys might disagree. I don't see how Gustafson isn't in your top 12. I think he's too valuable. Well, okay, so hold on. So you say that, right? So who's who do you take out, Morgan Barron or Vlad Nemesnikov? I'm, well, I'm not taking either of those guys out. That's what I mean. I'm so just saying, like, Dave, like, I, I think as it stands right now, probably, like, Axel Janssen Fjallby is probably your 13th forward. No, I think, no, Axel Janssen Fjallby is your 14th. Well, I, I'm saying, like, look, if, if you go on the premise right now that Kupari and 
well, this isn't a battle, but if you go on the premise that Kupari, Domestikov, Kupari's and, obviously been giving that 4C right. role. So Kupari yeah. 4C, you got Baron and Domestikov. Gustafson's 13 right now. Yeah, that's and true. Then, and then you go from there, and then, and again, Gustafson's also good. The Jets, look, he, Gustafson's only 23 years old. He, he, the Jets still want to see what he can do. They don't want, you know, Harkins is what, 25, 26? Yep. Fialbi's, or maybe Harkins 25, Johnson Fialbi's 26. 25, 26. So the yep. point is that Gustafson, you think, has the most upside at 23. Now, Harkins produced, as you said, Drew, he had 50 points in, in, in 44 games for the Manitoba Moose. So, you know, Jansen Harkins was able to do it at the AHL level, no question about it. So that's why I'm saying the battle really, as he, to me right now, is for 13, and it'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely be one of the most fascinating parts of the training camp battle as we progress over the training camp and the preseason, which gets underway shockingly soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. A few days. Yeah, in a few days, the first preseason game. It's amazing always how quickly that comes about. Let's go to our first break. And Murat Atesh of The Athletic is set to join Murat us. Murat just texted me. He said he's parking and he's coming. So okay, so Murat we'll, will be here probably in about two minutes. Sounds good. So there's a lot of people here. So it might take him a while to find parking and make his way through. But it's a great place to be. We're live on location at the Hockey for All Center Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest taking place on this Saturday morning. If you're here in the building, come say hi to us. If you're watching at home on our YouTube channel, be sure to smash the like button. Much more of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show still to come stay with us on this Saturday morning we are back Saturday morning the illegal curve hockey show yeah there might be a little bit of hot mic action I know it's the chat you chatters never get it never let us get away with anything just the nature of the setup for today might require that my mic is a little bit live during the commercials so we'll oh, yeah hopefully... hot mic yeah hot we'll, mic. we'll keep the language to a bare minimum look who he look who's here he, he, he might be more handsome than the last time I saw him Murata Tesh joining us. He's going to pop onto the feed momentarily. We're live down here at the Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest, the Hockey for All Center on this Saturday morning. A great day here uh, live in the building. If you're down here, we are in the Flynn Rink. Oh, my gosh. Michael Remus has also arrived. I don't know what he's bringing with him. What is he bringing? He's got, a, he's got one of his kids in that in that wagon that he's wheeling in here. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what Remus Remo's got over there, but he's got lots of stuff. Hopefully, Remus has some snacks for us. I don't think anyone's got any snacks uh, snacks for you. Nobody brings snacks for you. Yeah, snacks, snacks either way. Murat, good morning, my friend. Timmy, we good to go? Good morning. Good morning. There you go. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. How are you? Face to face. Exactly. Face to face. I gave you a big hug last time. We'll see how it breaks out after the next yeah, time I see you. We got Anzi between us. That's probably a safety. buffer. Exactly. You know, I don't want to get a little handsy or anything. That might be awkward for everybody involved. But uh, you are repping the brand again. That's what I like. When I saw you before uh, on the street corner, you had the athletic hat and the athletic hoodie, and it's good to see you're still you're still rocking that. You're a company man, loyal through Get and those through. subscriptions. There you go. You got to keep them keep them up. Exactly right uh, on that front. Nice to see you on this morning. Obviously here talking about training camp. The first few days, I've been enjoying your notebooks, that, uh, the one that you published late yesterday. I guess we'll start with a, an overarching takeaway so far regarding training camp from your perspective. I mean, I compare it to last year under Rick Bonus, and I think that there's kind of a, a tenor change this year for me, whereas last year Bonus arrived, and he knew he had to change a lot of things. We had a removal of a captaincy. The team before was so bad at defense and sort of its back checking and all of that. He was sort of teaching brand new things from day one. 
from from day one of this camp, I feel more of a business like okay, we're refining some things. Tenor to Rick Bonus's approach, drills are fast, they're competitive. There's not a lot of space in between them, and I just think that it's a little bit more just intense on doing the things that the guys know that they need to do, as opposed to a sea change in how Jets operate. He, along those same lines, you know, what did you think about him coming out? We talked about this to start the program. You know, basically setting these are my 12 forwards, these are my six defensemen. You know, for the rest, for the guys who weren't named on those four lines, four forward lines, three D pairings, what do you think they take from that? Is that their way of saying, okay, we have to go win a job now? We know where we stand. There's no ambiguity. If we want to be one of those 12 or one of those six, we're going to have to go and exceed expectations yeah exactly that's the that's the job that's the assignment is go make it beyond a doubt or else these guys that are in more established spots so depending on where they're at in their career are going to keep the the line assignments that they have right now i will say last year at this time just because of a modest injury to morgan Barron, jansen harkins was one of the penciled in anointed on line three but it didn't necessarily work out for him as time went by Dylan Sandberg had to come from a, just outside of that group to step into it and, and win a job. So it's not all set in stone, but let me tell you what, with this being Bonus's final year before a, a, you know an option on his contract, with the expiring contracts, with the top-to-bottom discussion of winning now, using cap space to add at the trade deadline probably even, I don't think anybody's messing around when Bonus sets those 12 and those 6. I think he means it, 100%. No, Murad, I wanted to make sure I get my microphone nice and close here. You mentioned that the, the, a, a breath of fresh air or this camp being different than last year for obvious reasons. Rick Bonus, second year as head coach, Blake Wheeler, obviously. It's still weird that he's not part of this team, right? Like, yeah. I think it's gonna, it's still gonna take a while of seeing Blake Wheeler in a Rangers jersey for that to feel real, right? But I think you would agree that there's an element of unpredictability to this year's team in, in every sense of the word, right? But is that a good thing in terms of that makes guys hungrier and they know that just because I'm starting on the wing on the first line doesn't mean I can't be the center on the third line when you're talking about maybe a guy like Nemesnikov or Alex Iafalo, obviously not going to play center, but you know what I mean? Like it seems like there's, there's, there's it's fresh, but it's also a, a good fresh in the sense that you know that a lot of positions are up for grabs. Maybe not jobs up for grabs because we know the, the forwards and the D are pretty set, even though the 13th forward is an interesting thing. But what do you think about that unpredictability of this team? Because there's a lot of new faces. It is interesting that way because I, I think that, you know, the top 12 is set. The 13th forward is a battle. I think the top 6 D are set. The 7 and 8 D, that's, that's a battle. But within that, just like you say, Ezzy, I agree with you. There are a lot of players, especially when you take Pierre-Luc and Blake Wheeler off, they were chosen top six, first unit power play. That was sort of a given in, on most nights for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, there are a lot of players on a very deep team who are a little bit multi-tool, a little bit Swiss Army knife in that, you know, whether that's an Alex Iafalo who can step into the top line in a pinch, but is probably ideally a middle six, two-way forward, and a Mesnikov who's starting on the fourth line, but we saw him as high as the second line center at times last season. Um, 
Nino Niederreiter, we another guy I think who's a little bit plug and play up and down the lineup. Cole Perfetti's lining up to be the second line center, and that's probably what's going to happen, but he could be a winger as well. Gabriel Velarde could slot in. So guys need to do what they came here to do, show their best versions of themselves, and then there's power play minutes, opportunity, and, and probably points and contracts up for grabs too, you know what I mean? Saturday morning, we're live at Hockey for All Center, Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest. This is the Legal Curve Hockey Show. Our guest, our good friend from the athletic, Murata Tesh, is with us live here at the Flynn Rink. So come by, say hello, meet your favorite member of Illegal Curve. That's either going to be Dave or Ezzy for sure. Hey, Murata. Dave, good to see you. Way down over there. It's like, I think I can hear you. No, no, it's good. We're good. But no, you know, I really wanted to, like I said, Drew said it, and I, I have been enjoying all of your notebooks, uh, even if I quibble when, what day is, what day, but regardless <laughs> what of day that, is what day is day one, but regardless of that, um, you know, one of the things that caught my mind, or my, caught my eye, sorry, when I was reading it, was your, your assessment of Nate Schmidt, because Nate Schmidt seems to be, based on his cap, gets a lot of attention. What have you seen from Nate Schmidt that it's kind of drawn your eye and obviously, like I said, caught my eye when I was reading your notes? Yeah, it's it's funny. He is a bit of a lightning rod, isn't he? Because at 5.95 million, I think that's the cap hit. You're expecting, you know, a first pairing capable defender or even you just go back a few years when he had that explosive speed with Las Vegas. He uh, was a top four defenseman with results. The metrics were all on his side, half a point per game. Like there was a lot of dynamism to his game. We haven't seen as much of that in Winnipeg. The instincts are there, the that explosiveness, that ability to jump in, all of that, not as much, more of a third pairing. Um, his metrics are good for a third pairing, but that's a much different role. So, you know, joy to our eyes, I think, or my eyes, and, and why I wrote such a dedicated section, and I even approached Nate and I, and I asked him about it too, was there is pop in his step right now by my eye. It's early in camp, anything could change, all of those caveats. But there is an outright bit of explosiveness, a first step, a first few steps, a willingness and an assertive to jump forward in early days of training camp for Nate Schmidt that I think is inspiring. When I talked to him and I asked him about it, he said he's crushing his jump tests, he's crushing his speed tests. Uh, he did a better version of his beep test this year than last year. Like He said he put in a lot of work. It was meaningful to see it recognized and he's seen it in all of his sort of off-ice testing metrics as well. So if he keeps that going, it would mean so much to the Winnipeg Jets to have one more dynamic defenseman option. You know, along those same lines, Marat, you know, this season, you know, it's, you know, obviously there's the changes to the roster, we've, we've documented them, but internal improvement, if the Jets can get, you know, 5%, 10%, however many percent more from the players that we as a fan base or the, that the fan base is familiar with, how, how far will that go for improving this team and, and, their, and their performance? It doesn't always have to be necessarily the new guys coming in who are going to change things, but all of a sudden if Neil Pionk is, you know, he probably has to be 10, 15, 20% better than he was last year, that changes, I think that changes the perspective on this team dramatically. Same with a guy like Nate Schmidt. If all of a sudden these guys that maybe had down years last year can bounce back a little bit and everyone else stays status quo, this really could improve the team's fortunes. In, and keep in mind, the Jets are playing in what it would easily, I think, you know, charitably be called not a very great division in the NHL. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, some of the some of the players who have been perennial aces and kings on this team, like like a Blake Wheeler for a lot of a huge portion of his career, like Pierre-Luc Dubois when he was on his game, certainly not when he was off it. Um, 
they're leaving space now. And and some of the players I might characterize as nines and tens and jacks, you know, that that can step into a top four role but aren't a superstar, be, can play a middle six or top six but aren't a superstar, like a Neil Pionk you named, um, like Nikolai Ehlers with his health, like Cole Perfetti with his health and taking a step forward, uh, developing in his career. There are some guys in important positions on the Winnipeg Jets who I think have a lot to prove this year, whether it's because they're young and they're coming up or because they've, they've played better than they did last season and they want to prove to everybody that, that they still have that level. The best case scenario for Winnipeg is that they are a better team, which is possible. I think that they could be a better team this year than last, but they do need that incremental improvement for, from all of those players. I think Pionk's a great example. I would, oh, here we go. I, Timmy has to mute me or you're going to hear me panting heavily, <laughs> right? So that's why Timmy, it's like back in the TSN 1290 days. I absolutely love it. But I agree with you, Murat, when you say about the Jets being an improved team. And I think it's mainly because not only is the backup goaltending been better, which I think you would agree has probably not been talked about enough. Yeah. Lauren Brassois coming back, like Lauren Brassois, in case you didn't notice, started the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Golden Knights and had a pretty good year, right? But it's because of the forward depth and I think a better overall team defense, right? Which is mainly coming from the forwards because of course the top six defense is the same. But I wanted to ask you about Mark Shifley because you've obviously written about him recently for The Athletic. Most people heard his comments, Connor Hellbuck's comments, but specifically I wanted to focus in on Shifley and not ask you, you know, whether you think that he's going to re-sign in Winnipeg because none of us know that. Same thing with Hellebuck. I mean, it's kind of a coin flip at this point, right? But when you're talking about Shifley, everybody knows that he's motivated by his contract expiring and everything like that. But to me, it seems like, and again, I might be reading too much into this based on one scrum, which obviously you were a part of. It seems like Mark Shifley has this kind of like calm presence to him where he's like, you're going to see what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to have a really good year, not just goals and points, but it seems like to me at least, he's got something to prove to not only himself, but everybody. Interesting. So you're seeing like a quiet swagger to him. Yes. Interesting. You know, I was more focused on on how he would address the obvious questions and would he get a little bit defensive? Would he have a like a preset message box in terms of saying just the right things? And sort of his, you know, I'm a hockey player. Um, you know, the contract situation is out of my control, even though it kind of is to some degree within his control because his agents work for him. <laughs> Um, certainly the Jets will have their own opinions so on, that, that's on... All, that's always my favorite. Oh, it's not in my control. Well, you're the guy signing the thing, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a little bit in your control. Yeah, there's there's some influence there, but I, I appreciated that he wanted to direct focus to his on-ice performance, and I think that Winnipeg is in a situation, and Shifley is in a situation, with one year left at the end of the deal, in some ways, the best case scenario for both of them is identical. Shifley goes out there and produces and is a phenomenal player from start to finish. They've put him in a good situation to do that. Kyle Connor is his favorite winger. Gabriel Velarde took a huge step forward last year. I think he's looked great at camp so far. He can go bar down with the best of them, and I think that that's a great situation for Shifley, the way those three guys are going to read off of each other. Um, and if, if Shifley's motivated by getting a huge ticket deal on his next contract, well, then he's got to produce. And if Shifley's motivated by staying in Winnipeg long-term, then he's got to do the things that his team asks of him as well. So 
Um, there is some advantage along with the uh, with all the uncertainties, not in year two of an eight-year deal or something to that effect. So maybe. I like your quiet swagger angle, though. We, uh, we look at the NHL guys, and we had development camps, and we watched all these young guys. And now we've got the young guys mixing with the older guys. And, you know, I watched uh, Nikita Chibrikov go up against Brendan Dillon and actually come up on the positive side of things. So I was impressed by that. But maybe now that you're watching some of these young players, the Lamberts, the Luciuses, the Colby Barlow, who we know has a flu right now after signing his three-year ELC. But what have you noticed from some of these young players coming up against NHL guys? Has anything really stood out to you? I like Nikita Chibrikov's fearlessness as a good example. Um, physically, that battle, for sure. He was giving it to everybody in his one-on-ones. He, he's willing to lay a little bit of cross-check on guys whose jobs are assured. And I think that that's, it's, it's a good sign for a young player like that to, to be in the fight. Also with the buck on his stick, one of my favorite plays of camp yesterday, uh, he picked up a drop pass from Brad Lambert low in the neutral zone, so just across the blue line, and he cut straight up the middle, stepped around his man. The crowd beside me oohed and awed. It was one of the few moments of like, whoa. It reminded me of when Nick Ehlers is at full speed, where there's like a, an energy change. And I thought that Chibrikov being willing to take people one-on-one -on -one was a nice step. We know about his release. To his credit, I'm not even surprised when it's a laser beam anymore, but that he's willing to take people without fear. I like that a lot. Elias, Elias, Elias Solomonson, um, the way that he's partnered with Josh Morrissey so far, another real bright spot in that the way that his head is always up and he's clearly getting good information when he's scanning the ice because his passes are on the tape to people in space with speed. Um, as speed ramps up, you wonder if this recently turned 19-year-old player is going to be able to keep up. For me, 100% he, he has. This is bright, bright future for him. Lambert has shone in individual one-on-one -on -one moments. Chaz Lucius for me. I know he really only skated with the main group on the, on the first day. When he plays against players his own age, or last year when he went down to the WHL and just tore it apart, he can see one step into the future compared to that level of competition. I thought he was a step behind in his first day, and so maybe he hasn't been at it since January in a really competitive way. Maybe we've got to pump the brakes on, or I do, on, on what I expect from him just now. Murata Tash, our guest, Saturday morning, you're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live at Hockey for All Center, Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest. We're also live on our YouTube channel, as we are each and every Saturday at 9 a.m. and after each and every Winnipeg Jets regular season game with the post-game show. Murat, we're about 18 minutes into this interview, give or take. We haven't mentioned really Cole Perfetti very much. And he's been, you know, uh, he's been... A, uh, anointed as the second line center for this team you know as long as everything works out to that effect you know what your thoughts I guess on the decision by Rick Bonus to say Cole Perfetti you're our, our 2C moving forward and your thoughts on his training camp so far I know you wrote about it um, either in your most recent notebook or the one before that where you know he finds that soft ice so well and by playing with Nino Niederreiter he doesn't necessarily have to be the low man battling right by the blue paint he can also be defensively responsible and be the high forward back at the same time yeah there's a lot of I think there's a lot of things to like about Cole Perfetti at center so far um, for me, with the puck on his stick, and wow, did he ever give a great answer. I think can't ask the question, but what aspects of your game apply best? And he's saying, well, you know, on, on that left wing that I was playing, sometimes a lot of the ice is one direction is cut off. The wall is there. The boards are there. But when I come up the middle, I have plays to either side of me. I have plays in, in front of me as well. 
And you can see it, though, as well. You can see it with the vision and the confidence that he has in his game. He'll take the puck into the middle of the ice and make plays to, to any in any direction. He's not defaulting to the wing. Like, he doesn't have that instinct overriding what he should do based on his early NHL experience. He's played center for most of his youth and, and even a little bit for the Moose, too, as you guys know quite well. Um, so I think that the offensive instincts are there defensively. First of all, his, he's a step faster this year, in my mind. His first few steps in terms of accelerating on the back check look good, and, and I like that. As well, the way Winnipeg plays, the first forward back's got to do most of the heavy lifting, or like the first series of heavy lifting in terms of D. Get down low, pick up the most dangerous assignment, help those two, two defensemen. And there are going to be times when that's Nino Niederreiter, and you can trust him to play down low. Nikolai Ehlers will probably get there first a whole bunch of times too, but I, I think Niederreiter would probably be the one that you want if you if you got a battle to win in front of the net, let's say. But Perfetti will be a big part of that too. And, uh, and I think early returns looks a little bit stronger to me, looks quite a bit faster to me, um, and that he's not standing out for a lack of speed at this point. Um, I think his reads are going to make it work. I really with some ups and downs and growing pains. I think he's going to be a success there. I'm 100% with you, Murat. I think Perfetti's going to thrive there. So I'm 100% in your camp. If I'm allowed to join your camp, I think You're there's a lot here. of people that are thinking that Cole Perfetti's going to succeed there. And and there might be, be a few... what you agree to in that case there, Murat. There might be, <laughs> there might be a few hiccups, camp. obviously, yeah. right? You mentioned Nick Ehlers, and I wanted to go back to Nick Ehlers because that's another camp I am in the perennial, perennially underrated Nikolai Ehlers, right? And obviously when the lines came out, as Drew said, it was a bit of a surprise to some that, you know, Cole Perfetti has been, for now, been given that 2C mantle. But I think a lot of people saw, hey, Nick Ehlers isn't on that top line with Scheif and Connor, and it's Velarde now. And the, and the question I wanted to ask you was, for you, is it more important that Ehlers gets those first power play minutes and just stays healthy and you know gets chemistry with Perfetti and um, whether it's Niederreiter for now or you know Aya Fallow whoever as opposed to looking at looking at it like Nick Ehlers again isn't on the top line I think some fans rightfully so they get a little bit worried when they don't see Nick Ehlers up with Shifley and Connor but as you know that line could be reunited very early on in the season yeah, at a moment's notice, it was what he went to, what Bonus went to early last year. Didn't go back to it so much late. For me, the the issues in the top six will be about chemistry. And I think as much as the results have been there, largely way back when it was Ehlers, Shifley, and, and Blake Wheeler at times, their results were phenomenal. They spent all game in the other end. They were transitioning well, and they scored really well. It was a tremendous line. At this stage, though, I think, I think of what Mark Shifley would probably want and, and feel like he feeds off of the most. Um, no player is better at, at timing those steps into space uh, you know, in soft ice than Kyle Connor on the Winnipeg Jets. And I think, because I've spent some time watching Gabriel Velarde video this summer as well, I think that the way that he reads the game, we're going to be seeing a lot of triangles between those three players. A lot of puck protection on the wall, a lot of timed passes into dangerous areas, a lot of quick movement in triangle shapes throughout the offensive zone. And I think Velarde is going to be a great fit there. I think about Ehlers on that second line. Yeah, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that he could put an elite, like a top 15 points per minute 
in the NHL. He's up there with the elites of the game, the Nylanders, the Austin Matthews, in terms of how much five-on-five -five offense he creates. And he played the fewest minutes per night of his career last season. That's a problem. At the same time, get those power play minutes where he looked dangerous. That'll sort out the points and the total minutes at the end of the day. And stay healthy, because what a joke it is that he has neck spasms right now. I think of him as a largely healthy player based on the full span of his career. But this recent, uh, it's just got to be so frustrating for him. Like, what do you even say to yourself, you know, in terms of just getting, getting back into the swing? Because what, what an annoying way to be hurt, I would think, for him right now. Sorry, when we, we when we last spoke to Billy Hainola at the end of Moose Camp, he was a guy not making any excuses. He was he knew what he needed to do. He needed to go home to Finland, have a great year summer of training, come back here and challenge for a job. Well, it's not going to be easy because unfortunately, what works against him is his waiver status and being waiver exempt because that's an easy easier decision. And we heard from Rick Bonus talk about guys like Billy, guys like Chisholm, and that uh, there are opportunities here at camp. But Billy Hainola, of course, is the one because I think the problem for Billy is that because he had such a good start in 2019 and because it's kind of been paused as a result, after, you know, because of 21 when they added Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, there's been a, you know, a concern. This, again, he can go back to the AHL this year and he can play in the AHL. What did you see from him so far to start training camp? And I know, of course, it's very early, but... Do you see him as a guy who's able right now to challenge for that 7-8, we're not saying top six even, but that 7-8 spot where right now we see Stanley and potentially Chisholm because of his lack of waiver eligibility? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's so interesting with Billy Hale. If he had not had, I think he scored five points in eight or nine games mm -hmm. or whatever it was, he scored a really nice goal, I think it was against Pittsburgh, and there's this thought that, okay, wow, this teenager's having NHL results. This is going to be an incredible player all the way through. If that hadn't happened, and he were just arriving here today as a 22-year-old player um, with a good first pass and all of those sorts of things, I think the amount of, like, the heated discourse around this player would be a lot less. The, the air would be let out of it. As it stands, though, we do have that history, and we can say, hey, you know what, in that pandemic year, they really didn't play him. They called him up, and he went, what was it, a month between games? And you can... You can complain about the past. Ville Hainala has control only over his future, over, only over his day-to-day, -day, his preparation and all of those sorts of things. My first impression at camp this year is a player that feels the pressure. Because on day one, there was a few-minute stretch where I watched him give such a slow D-to-D uh, -D pass to Nate Schmidt that it sort of killed the play. It continued, but the team had to double back. His next pass was intercepted and, and whistled down. They reset the drill. As they were sort of, you know, getting ready to, to get back into this five-on-five -five drill they were doing, Hainala looks frustrated. Nino Niederreiter skates by, gives him a shin, like a shin tap and I think a pat on the back, as if to just say, like, hey, kid, you've got this, you know. And I think through the rest of that day, looked a little bit more improved. I thought yesterday he looked more and more like himself. He's not carving uh, the ice apart with those passes quite yet or anything like that, but I think he's feeling his way into this camp. I don't think feeling this way, his way into this camp is good enough for a job at this stage of his career. With waivers not applying to him, he can go to the Moose, it's easy. But at least he's going to give himself a shot, I think, to, to look more impressive as, as the weeks go on.
last question for you, Murat. You know, the leadership mantle for this team is now Adam Lowry's. There's no question about that. You get to see on your jersey. That means the team has anointed you as the leader. How have you seen him sort of embracing that role early in training camp? I mean, I know you wrote about it, and we've seen some, you know, pictures and video on, on illegalcurve.com, you know, about him sort of spending time on face-off drills at the end of practice, I believe it was yesterday. So from your perspective watching so far, how have you seen Adam Lowry sort of embracing that, that role as captain and as the, you know, the pulse of this team? So far, my my view, my touch points of that, the the thing I would say about Adam Lowry is that he hasn't changed, and I mean that as an enormous compliment. I think I can point back to camp notes years past where he'd be working with Mason Appleton and Christian Veselainen for ages after practice was done. Um, he's got a, a leadership role on that team, and he's had one for a while. His disposition in terms of how he's been in, in around interacting with people, I think is just as positive and as inclusive as it's always been. So if there is an added weight on his shoulders right now, if there's an added stress because of, well, hey, all the extra media you're going to do, the off-ice stuff that you're going to organize in the dinners and all of that sort of stuff, it hasn't made its way into the rink. As a matter of fact, he's on a short list of players who if you walk up to them on any given day and you say, how's it going today? He'll answer and then he'll ask you how you were, right? And I think that little things like that imply, and the fact I saw it with Dan Robertson was just like, hey, how's your summer? And he's like, well, how was your summer? What did you get up to? Like, and they were, it was a genuine, sorry, Dan, to, to out, it was a real sweet moment, I thought. And it's, Murat, these guys don't even ask me how my summer was. So, I mean, that just shows you how good of a, a guy Lowry is. That's, I couldn't care less. That, that's exactly the problem. I guess so. I mean, so Lowry cares. And I think the fact that he's settled in, it shows a person to me who's at ease. And I think that's the most important thing. I appreciate that. I, and I don't think he's asked to go through any player's camera rolls or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> I'll yeah, Mike Babcock. No. Too soon. Murat Atesh, The Athletic, you're going to read his great work all year round for the, on the Winnipeg Jets. It's already started. It's going to continue. It's amazing. we got exhibition games coming up so quick in the season. The official start to the regular season just around the corner. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be... Look, I think this team and this franchise have so many fascinating storylines, you know, circling around it. You know, the, the, we know the Shifley and Hellebuck drama, you know, I'm of the opinion that I don't, you know, how last year ended, I don't know that it's necessarily put away. I know that they're trying to put it away, but I don't know that it doesn't necessarily bubble up again on the first side of a losing streak or anything like that. I just think that this Winnipeg Jets team, and I'll let you get the final word in on this one. There's so many storylines that, you know, I do think that they're going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch throughout the entire NHL over the first few months of this season, leading up particularly to the trade deadline. I mean, I am fascinated by this team. It's easy to be influenced right now because we got music pounding in the background. I walked <laughs> yeah. through a sea of Bouncy fans castles. to get, like, Jets fans are already filling this. So, you know, I'm influenced by the moment, but it does feel like there's a pulse and, and an energy around this team. A lot of interesting storylines. And I, I can't help myself from this. This is the end of this, my segment. I've, I've taken so much of your time. But that, that item about the players, you know, throwing bonus under the bus last year, I am of the opinion that it is one of the most overblown stories that we talk about. I really think it's one of those things that people can park. I think the players did get together, make a plan for how they were going to address the inevitable questions. They went back to the message box of, hey, we wish he wouldn't have said it that way. But that was just the thing they were saying to get through the interview. I don't think... And I know that they talked with Bonus. He, he reached out and there were conversations over the course of the summer. 
I personally don't think that it's the sort of thing that we should be looking at as a sign that there's vitriol or ongoing unput-out fires. That's my take. I agree with you, Murad. Just quickly, I know you know we're gonna head to break and everything like that, but maybe we don't. I mean, we can take a break whenever we want. We're not on commercial <laughs> radio anymore. But I agree with you because this that was five months ago, right? Like that that is an eternity ago. I think that, that that this is a new season, and I mean, as you mentioned, we're here at Fan Fest, which is the definition of a new beginning, right? Starting off the season, fans interacting with other fans, players, coaches, everything like that. I don't think there is going to be a carryover, and especially with Blake Wheeler leaving and Pierre Luc Dubois being traded, the new LA King, the new LA King trio coming in. I'm with you. I think these players have flushed that away, for lack of a better term. And it's a brand new season, and these guys are excited for what's to come. As Drew's dad, we got, son, we got another Mendel. This, this is the brains of the operation. This is my son Sam, proudly rocking his illegal curves sweatshirt. How you doing, buddy? Good. Talking to the mic. Good. Huh. Sam, do you have any questions for Murat here before we head to break? Do you have any questions for Murat? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> there he goes. Murat Atesh of the Athletics. Let's get Zeta Sheldon And on my here. dad's here too. It's a family affair. We're live at the Hockey for All Center Jets Fan Fest going on. Murat, thank you, buddy. We'll see you. We'll read all your work. We'll see us again real soon. We appreciate you doing this this morning. Thank you. Thank Already. you. Already. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live at Fan Fest. We're live on our YouTube channel. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Kids eat free all September long at Boston Pizza. That's right. For the month of September, kids eat free with minimum purchase. All this for, what's that word again? Yeah, free. Boston Pizza. Hurry in. 
We are back at Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest at the Hockey for All Center. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. There is a ton going on on this Saturday morning. Family, friends, everybody is here. Reminder, following us, Winnipeg Sports Talk doing a special Saturday show. We can see Remus over there setting in the setting up. Uh, takes, seems like producer Tim knows a little bit more than what he's doing than Remo over there. It's very convenient, right? Murat can go from our table to the Winnipeg Sports it, Talk table. It's radio. It's Radio Row, no, Winnipeg YouTube, YouTube Row. YouTube Row. Yeah, there you go. YouTube Row. Yeah. Come on, Drew. That's right. So fair enough. Radio's Drew, dead. Drew, as, we, as Michael Remus famously once said, radio's dead. <laughs> yes, indeed he did. Anyways, we are thrilled to be here. Uh, come say hi. We're broadcasting from the Flynn Rink at the Hockey for All Center. Will he be here for the Michael next Flynn hour? Uh, of course, uh, talking about the Winnipeg Jets and everything else that's going on. Uh, it is a party here, so this is a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about the forward lines to start the show, of course, and I spent a lot of time on that with Murat as well. From the defense perspective, I mean, I think that's just as interesting. You know, all summer long, we were waiting for sort of another shoe to drop when it came to the defense. There was a log jam on the back end is what we heard over and over again. Something needs to give. Somebody needs to be traded. Something, one of those players needs to go long story short really shouldn't really be a surprise at this point when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets and Jets GM Kevin Shoveldayoff the same six defensemen are your primary defensemen to start this season you know who do you need to see more from on the Jets back end for the team to have improvement over last year I'll start with you on that one Ezzy well I, I think you know who I'm gonna say and who yeah. most people are gonna say is Neil Pionk right but right. I think when you're looking at this Jets team I think it's not just getting more offense because you got more offense out of Dylan DeMello last year. You obviously got a career year from Josh Morrissey, right? Dylan Sandberg, I don't think a lot of offense was expected out of him. You want more offense, ideally, from Dylan Sandberg. I mean, you're going to take as much offense as you can get. But I think, for me, it's the way Neil Pionk has played defensively. And there was a lot of speculation and nothing ever came out, to the best of my knowledge, about him dealing with something whether that was a lower body injury or an upper body injury or whatever injury it was. But I think when you consider Neil Pionk's first full season with the Jets, I mean, there was a drop-off last year in his play. And so he has to be the guy for me because he's in your top four, right? We know it's going to be Morrissey, DeMello, Brendan Dillon, and Neil Pionk, right? Could Dylan Sandberg play on the left side on the second pair? Yes. But most likely, your third pair is going to be Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt. Maybe Nate Schmidt moves into the top four. Dave and, and then Neil Pionk and Dylan Sandberg create a, you know, University of Minnesota Duluth connection there on the third pair. But I think you want to see more offense from Neil Pionk, but you want to see that defenseman because Pionk's not a big guy. He's, what, 5'11", 6 feet? Like, he's not the biggest guy, but we know Pionk can play the physical game. He's not afraid to move guys in front of the net or take guys out in the corner, angle them out, things like that, right? So... For me, if we're singling out one defenseman, Dave, it's got to be Neil Pionk, but I do think that you want to have more offense from a guy like Nate Schmidt. I don't think you're going to ask for a lot more from Morrissey. So I think that's the obvious one. But I also think that, you know, you want to see, you, you ideally would like to see somebody pushing to get into the lineup. We talked about Vili Hainola. We talked about Declan Chisholm. I mean, Kyle Capobianco, I think, if he isn't placed on waivers, will be your number seven as Sarah Lesky walks by. I think she waved to Dave and Drew, but didn't wave to me, but that's okay. Just kidding. <laughs> Good judge of character. Yeah, but you know what I mean, guys? I think you'd like to see some internal competition, because Drew's right. I mean, the Jets' top six, 
as it looks right now, is the exact same as last year. And it looks like there isn't really a lot of opportunity for Vili Hainola to crack in there, even though I think he would take that seventh line role. But you don't want to see Vili Hainola spending the majority of the season up in the Jets press box. You want to see a 22-year-old defenseman playing, right? Yeah. So it, it has to be Neil Pionk for me, Drew, because I think his play fell off at times last year. And I think he can be a top four defenseman. But last year at times, he didn't play. His performance didn't uh, reflect a top four defenseman. You're right. There were flashes for sure, Ezzy. And I, I would agree that Neil Pionk is the guy based on the fact that just where he is situated in this in this deep pairings, he's the guy that you need more from. I mean, you've got the salary, you've got the commitment from the Jets. And, and what you need to do is show that that was a good decision by the hockey club. And so far he hasn't been able to reprise the role we've seen of him when we were in the watching the bubble neil peon so that's that to me is the biggest question mark right now for this jets club is can neil peon who and we've had the question and we were told he wasn't dealing with any injuries last year because that was kind of like everybody was trying to throw him in a lifeline maybe there's an injury maybe there's an injury well we were told there was no injury to, to, to discuss with us anything of significance well okay if that's the case then your play has fallen off it came back up a little bit towards the end of last year but again you can't be in that role and not performing it's just it's just the nature of the beat and that's the one thing the jets have to be willing to do they have to be willing to say look if a guy is not fulfilling his responsibilities then we have got other guys come into this lineup who are hungry to be in this lineup and are going to take that role on. And you're right, Ezzy. It's hard for Billy Hainola, Deklages, and that sort of thing, and that expectation of those guys to do, you know, just that, which is to take a role from one of the established guys. But, you know, that's why, again, like I said, that's the beauty of training camp, is you'll have two weeks to try and make your argument, make your case. And, you know, to what Murat was saying about Billy, one day or two days of a lack of, you know, if you don't have your best effort, that's not the end of the world. You can still do quite a bit because there's still another, you know, three, four, five, seven, eight days in terms of that opportunity. Because those guys aren't going to be moved till the end. You know, they, look, we think that the, the cuts when they're made will be on Tuesday. The Jets have a day off on Tuesday. They play Sunday uh, night in uh, Edmonton. Then they play Monday here in Winnipeg. And so in terms of preseason games, and the point is Tuesday's a day off. So the expectation is the junior guys, a lot of the junior guys will be sent home on Tuesday, then maybe the following Tuesday, which is the, the 3rd of October, that they'll make their next round. So look, guys like Declan Chiz and Billy Hainall, they're not going anywhere. They're going to have lots of runway, pardon that usage, but they're going to have lots of runway to make their case to why they can be here and why they may deserve a shot. And look, again, I, as I said, Rick Bonus on day one gave us the line, gave us the defense, but he didn't say it's 100%. He said, you know, we don't need to have training camp. It's already established what it's going to be. These guys still have to, to show that they're entitled. And we are hearing from Murat that, you know, Nate Schmidt is looking better. And you're hearing about some guys, Josh Morrissey taking Elias. I believe it's Elias, not Elias. But but I could be wrong because I heard Scott Billick ask him yesterday. What? Elias. I think it's Elias. But anyways. It's not always about the devils, as they it is for me. The, the point is that, but you know, and I said, like, look, you've got Chisholm, Stanley, Capo Bianco, and Hainola all fighting for that seven and eight. And Elias Salomon, Salmonson, sorry, is is one of those guys that 
he said, I'm going to try my best. Oh, a little Winnipeg sports talk. I, I believe they call that a walk-on when you know, somebody the, just walked How did Huss get through security? Well, more, more importantly, you realize he could have done the exact same thing had he gone around the back, which is, look, he's going to do another walkthrough. <laughs> so he could have just done it the exact same way. But, hey, Huss has been, uh, he's a funny guy. That allows, that just gives us full, we're going to be photobombing, we're going to be video bombing Winnipeg sports talk. So, anyways, the point is that, you know, we'll see what these guys can do. But again, like I said, uh, it'll be an interesting dynamic, and especially because Tomlinson has an easier path on that right side, right? Declan Chisholm, Logan Stanley, Billy Hainola, what do they all do? They're all on the left side, and they haven't spent any significant, as someone who watches the Moose, they haven't spent any, not to say they've never done it, but they haven't spent a significant amount of time on that right side. So really what you're expecting is these guys to have a tough path on that left-hand side, whereas Salmonson, again, is on the right side. It's a little bit easier. Tyrell Bauer, again, a little bit easier. He'll be with the Moose, of course. Yeah, but, I mean, again, it's so much about this is going to be those battles. You know, you have to, you know, if you're a Chisholm or if you're, you know, to a lesser extent, a Capo Bianco or a Stanley, you're going to have to play your way into this lineup to start the season. And that's not going to be an easy task. You know, in fact, I think it's probably easier to play your way into a forward position than it necessarily is to play your way into a def into a defense position on this team to start training camp. But, you know, I, I just don't foresee the Jets losing another player that they've developed on waivers for nothing. So, you know, I just Well, it's can't... not going to be Declan Chisholm, that's for sure. Well, but we said that last year. We said that last year when it came to Johnny Kovacevic. I mean, it's hard yeah, to but, believe. Yeah, but last year there wasn't a defenseman for that last year that it, that was claimed on waivers. So I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, I'm just saying personally, I don't see that happening. I mean, if that does happen, then he'll, like, if Chisholm is put on waivers, most likely he'll be claimed. Yeah, I just don't think, no based it. on what happened last year, because, again, he, everyone mentions Johnny Kovacevic, rightfully so, he played well for the Habs. The Jets also lost Mikey Essimon. And Essimon, of course, is a forward, but the point is they lost two guys. So, yes, for every Axel Janssen Fialbi that you claim on waivers, if you lose two really good players, I'm just saying, Drew, I'm not saying, I'm obviously, there's a possibility that that happens. Uh, look, I, but I they would rather lose Kyle Capobianco or Logan Stanley I would agree. on waivers than Chisholm because Chisholm has, as Dave has documented, both on our show and the website, Chisholm has reached that point where I think you would agree that he's arguably more NHL ready than Vili Hainola. But the problem is, can he get one of those, let's say, seven or eight spots on defense? We're not sure if the Jets are going to go with, you know, two spare defensemen or forwards. But the point is, the top six is pretty much locked in. And even though you'd like to, a lot of, look, a lot of Jets fans are clamoring for this to be Vili Hainola's year. But I think we're I think we're a year away from that. And he has a lot to prove. And the thing that I thought was funny when you were talking about preseason is what do we say every year, right? We say, well, wait till the preseason starts and then we'll see what these guys can do and then we'll form our opinion based on what Hainola or Chisholm does in, in preseason. And then once the regular season starts, what do we say? Well, the preseason meant nothing. Let's see what these guys can do in the regular season, right? Well, what's more important from your guys' perspective? Training camp practices or preseason games? Um, you know what, it's interesting, like, I, I, I've i reassessed myself a little bit in that regard because I used to think preseason games would be like, oh, exhibition games, they're so meaningless. And talking to Daniel Torgerson, the 2022nd rounder for the Jets when we did that one-on-one, -on -one, and, you know, he talked about the importance of what that game did for him and what he was able to achieve playing in that game and that, the confidence it gave him. And, you know, it's funny because there's, 
So we tend to gloss over the importance of these preseason games, but I would still, in my opinion, say that a practice, watching these guys battle drill and watching what they're doing, because a lot of times, you know, when you're playing at home, you have your NHL guy, you have your NHL guys for your home crowd. And then who do you send to the, uh, you know, who are you gonna send to Edmonton? You send your AHL guys. Right. Now, of course, this year there's only six preseason games. There's not like seven or eight, so it's a little bit of a reduced number. So Rick Bonus has talked about the fact that not everybody's gonna get into games, and it's gonna change the way we've kind of taken, uh, evaluated that sort of thing. But ultimately, like I said, what I, what I think is they're both important. I think there's a lot of importance in terms of what we see in preseason. But again, like I think the training camp, watching these guys battle, that's gonna be ultimately what kind of gets them to that next level. Ezzy, do you have a thought on preseason versus uh, versus uh, training camp in terms of you know standing out? If you stand out in a battle drill or if you stand out in a performance against your own team versus against another team's AHL roster or primary AHL roster? Well, you're talking about apples and oranges, right? You're also, t I should mention, I haven't been here for training camp. Right. So this year's training camp, I, I can't Not yet, at least. Today's I, your first day here. Well, I, I'm talking about being here every day watching these guys on the ice, but... I mean, there's a reason why practice is emphasized and coaches cherish it, for lack of a better term, so much, because you learn all of those habits that go into games from practices, right? So it's, I, I mean, look, practicing is important. I mean, Rick Bonus talked about it. You could see which players are out of shape early on in training camp, right? So I'm not gonna say that, you know, practices are more important than preseason games. I mean, for the simple fact that Preseason games don't mean anything. Nobody remembers what the Jets' preseason record was last year, or the year before, or the year before, because it doesn't matter. But they're important because you want to see, for example, if we're talking about Hinola or Chisholm, you want to see, even if it's a mainly AHL lineup, you want to see how these guys are playing when they're going up against regular NHLers or players that are AHL guys. Like, you just want to see them in game action at the NHL level, right? So, I mean, practicing is very important. You need to see, you need to battle hard, and especially if you're a guy that doesn't have a guaranteed spot in the lineup, you have to make sure that every time you're on the ice, whether it's practice or preseason, you're giving 100% and you're being noticeable on the ice. For the guys that are trying to crack into the top 13 forwards or crack into the top seven or eight defensemen, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, preseason, again, because it's coming up and you've got two games between the Jets and the Oilers, and, you know, it's exciting and everything like that, but, I mean, it's the totality of everything. Jets players are, are judged on both practicing and, and practices and games. Coaches look at all, they look at what's happening off the ice. We know that, right? We look at everything. Not that a guy's gonna make the team because of what he's doing off the ice, but you know what I'm saying? Coaches, the coaches are looking at every single angle and they're looking at things that most lay people probably aren't even thinking about. But there's no doubt that having good practice habits are almost as important as what you're doing in the actual games themselves. Pivoting away from the defense for a second, you know, looking at goaltending, and we'll talk later on in the show about Hellebuck and Shifley's comments. I sort of wanted to push that towards the end because it's been talked about a lot already this week. The impact of, of Lauren Francois being back big. Big. So, okay, go on on that. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. I asked you about. You say big. Is it just, uh, is it a comfort factor or is it also a comfort for Connor Hellebuck factor or is it also the factor that the Jets don't have to grind uh, Connor Hellebuck necessarily into dust this year because they have a trustworthy 
uh, goaltender behind him, at least a goaltender that previously has been able to perform admirably in that role. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's it's all those things, Drew. I think that Lauren Brassois is like a safety blanket for this team. I think the guys really like him. I mean, Dylan DeMello talked about it yesterday in his media availability after skate, saying that you know it was like it was like just seeing him. He hadn't been gone for three years. Like, oh hey, how was your summer? It was like normal. Like it was just a normal. Comfort. It wasn't getting to know you. It wasn't like, okay, we got to get to know a new goaltender who's going to be the backup who plays five games. This is actually like a guy who is very comfortable in this system, knows the players. Obviously, Rick Bonus is new for Lauren Bressois, but I think that Lauren Bressois saw an opportunity to sign back in Winnipeg for his career. And, you know, again, I think he and Connor Halibut have such a close relationship, such a good working relationship. And Connor Halibut was asked about it. He was asked at the end of his availability, once you got through all the all the talk about the contract and everything else. Hey, there's Rowdy the Dutch Jets fan right there, everyone. Hey, he's here from the Netherlands, everybody. We'll, he is we'll, here from the Netherlands. Yeah. But the point is that um, that there's lots of people here, so I bet Rowdy's, Rowdy's all the way from the Netherlands, so you got to give him a special shout-out. Distracted me a little bit. But the fact is that, you know, it's one of those opportunities, like from Lauren Persuas' perspective, that he'll be able to fit. And again, sorry, what I was saying was about Connor Hellebuck, and Connor Hellebuck talked about that idea I don't need to play 65 games. If the team, it's better for the team for me to play, he didn't give a number, but I'm just gonna say 57 games, and I still, we, we're winning. That's what matters to Connor Hellebuck, that's what matters to Lauren Persuas. So I think, I do think, and again, like let's be realistic, guys. We knew when the Jets signed David Rich last year, they were taking a big risk. None of us were like, wow, what a great signing. It was a, it was a risk at the time, and as the season went along, and his play fell off, it became, you know, a poor investment, if you will. The fact is, I think it's a good investment if Lauren Bersois can stay healthy, which is key. That, that's the big issue. Yeah, of course. The if, if he can stay healthy, then I, I, I really think that gives the Jets a top five tandem in the NHL. Yeah, and, top and, five in the NHL. Okay, that's. that's well, that, I mean, that's a. You know, that's. Well, Connor. Connor Hellebuck, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Connor Hellebuck automatically makes you in pretty much in the top yeah, five. Right. I would say with Riddick, it wasn't, but now with Bersois, combining the two healthy, together. Well, it's, yes. like, it's like Dave said, Drew, about the starts, right? Like. Everybody knows that Hellebuck's going to get the majority of the starts. He's most likely going to be around that 60-game mark. But to me, what's the most important, regardless if Hellebuck plays... Hold on, we got to have the official intern. Bailey's here. Bailey, Bailey say hi to everybody. Intern. Bend down, get on the mic. Bailey needs her own mic. Yeah, well, it's okay. <laughs> we got that one, actually. That one over there is going to be... Paulie Edmonds is going to jump on that one in a minute. But Bailey's been here for... I, I mean, Bailey's been here since, what, about 8 o'clock this morning. We got here at, like, 7 o'clock this morning. There you go. So Bailey, Bailey's been hasn't missed anything that's going on here at FanFest, and we had to bring her on the show, of course, because well, you know, the, the official, the official intern, intern, you have to have the official intern on. But Bailey, Bailey, remember, we want you to go on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well after. Okay. There you go. You got to do your round. There, see, Remo, Remo's, Remo's <laughs> over there already. Everybody's getting ready. Oh my gosh! Look at the lens our cameraman's got with. Yes. That's yes. a wide yes. angle lens I was right going to say, I don't think I need a camera lens shooting me that closely. That is an impressive That art. lens is going to catch every single one of Drew's nose, <laughs> nose hairs. <laughs> I try and get rid of those, but they, they, they still uh, somehow keep their weight coming. Okay, I see Why Polly, break? Polly Edmonds is coming in as well. Bailey's here. The cameraman's here. Everyone's here. First of all, that cameraman. Give Luke, Sorry, Luke a Luke, shout out. Luke, our new cameraman, is here. He's firing photos Luke, all Perry, left, right, yep. and center. There's lots going on. We're live uh, Thanks, at Bailey. the Hockey for All Center. Paulie Edmonds, the voice, radio voice of the Winnipeg Jets, is up next. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay with us. Much more to come on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
Oh, it's chaos here at Hockey for All Center, but it's a lot of fun chaos is what I think it's called. Ezzy scooch over towards me, and then Paulie scooch a little bit towards Ezzy. I know that's a bit of a, that's a oh, difficult we have, ask. We have a, fan, we have a fan here. His De name's Declan. Declan so, is here as well. Shout out. And obviously, we're going to give Declan a shout out. He's yeah. got an icy stick. Nice Heritage Jets jersey. So, Declan, just like everybody here, is having they, a great time so far. There you go, Declan. You can check it out uh, afterwards. You can watch the video on our web, on the, on the YouTube channel and the podcast. So you can hear the shout out there. There you go. Declan's here, Rowdy Jets, the uh, Dutch Jets fans here, and the radio voice of the Winnipeg Jets, the handsomest man in the building. I love this setup. Isn't this great? Yeah, you guys have knocked it out of the park here. It's you know what? Speaking of which, I feel like I'm doing baseball here with the <laughs> non-headset and the you know the stand-up mic by itself. You know, the 2-1. There you go. We Swing and a miss. <laughs> we get you back to your baseball yeah. roots every now and then. How are you, Paulie? It's been a while, uh, good. my friend. Yeah, no, I'm really good. I Honestly, I mean, there was a lot of talk about what was going to happen with this team over the summer as you guys have kind of built your narrative around, and, and rightfully so. And, and now we're here, and we're going to see it unfold. And I'm always intrigued to see which direction it goes. I mean, I think they're going to be a competitive team. There's not many spots to really vie for when it comes to young guys pushing in. There might be one or two. But at the same time, how do you integrate the new guys? And, and what is it going to be like in the second year of Rick Bonus and his coaching tutelage with this organization? Well, let's start with that. You know, the, the vibe around this team. Second year, so, you know, the feeling out process uh, it, it isn't brand new anymore. They're still learning from one another, as you always do in life. I guess your, your, your impressions for the first few days of this training camp so far. Well, you know, I the energy that Rick Bonus conveys on the ice during a training camp skate, you know, given his age, I marvel at it. it it's just, you know, he wants to bring that energy to the ice, and, and that should all trickle down to the players. And, you know, to get into specifics, I mean, they've been working on defensive zone coverage. They were working on a forecheck the other day, how to get through that forecheck, all sort of those things. Each day has a different sort of plan to it. And then you're trying to execute that plan. Um, but I think that everybody's kind of raring to go here. And that starts at the top with the head coach and the energy that he's expelled on the ice. And um, from that standpoint, you know, listen, they had... They had a marked improvement when it came to goals against last year. Two years ago, they were minus five in the goals against and goals for differential. Last year, they were plus 22. So, I mean, it's a 27-goal swing, which is huge. And that led to not missing the playoffs by eight points the year before, but making the playoffs by two points. So, I mean, a couple goals here and there swing you to where you want to get to and maybe higher in the standings. I look for that improvement again this year. And he's talked about that a couple of times in his media availability. And that's reducing goals against, but first and foremost, reducing the shots that they're giving up inside their own home. Well, you talk about the defense and the goals against and everything else. And it seems like everything that they've done this offseason, all the acquisitions that they've made, particularly in the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal that brought in uh, Velarde and Kupari and, and Ayapalo, those guys are all known for being defensively responsible. You know, so when you when we see them on the ice, you know, uh, the start of the season, is that sort of a primary focus that you're going to look at? The defensive responsibility and the defensive mantra for this team? Because for so long, that's been bugaboo surrounding this franchise. Indeed, and I think all you had to look at was the way he configured the lines going into training camp. 
everybody on a line has a bit of a defensive component player to it. And and Rasmus Kapari is that. Ayafalo is that on the third line. Velarde to some degree. Even though he had only three less goals than Dubois in ten less games, he might be that for Connor and Shifley on that top line. So I think that there's a nice balance all the way through. Whether it stays like that remains to be seen. But you can see where the concept has come from on what they want to do and be harder to play against. The other thing I look at is look at that third line. You know, you've got Appleton, Lowry, Ayafalo. Ayafalo had 16 goals last year. He replaces Blake Wheeler's 16 goals, in my opinion. But now this is a third-line guy. So whichever way you want to look at it, gentlemen, they either have three scoring lines or they've got two really good scoring lines and a great checking line that can score. So to me, the depth in revamping this forward core is, is first and foremost front and center on what we've seen, what Kevin Dayoff did in the summer in that deal with Dubois to Los Angeles and getting those three players back. And Paulie, just kind of switching to the defense here, because obviously we know that it's essentially the same group of defensemen, the top six, I think you would agree, most likely on opening night, and we've you know, got a couple games coming up. You're going to have the call with your new color voice, Mitch Clinton, who was the program director of 92.9 Kick FM when our show was still on Red River Radio. So that's how far we go back with Mitch Clinton, about 13 or 14 years. So I guess let's start with that then. Before we get to the before we get to that, I mean, I heard you on OV yesterday, but I mean, you know Mitch Clinton really well. He's worked with the Jets since they returned in 2011, but. I mean, just how excited are you for Mitch to be full-time in the booth with you? Because yeah. it's, I mean, everybody who knows Mitch knows that he's hes the salt of the earth, great guy, and it's just a great opportunity for him to be alongside you in the booth. You know, the one thing I'll say about Mitch, and I think this speaks volumes if you had to make one statement, is he won't get outworked. He's going to put the work in. He's going to put the preparation in. And therefore, if you do that, the broadcast should convey that. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, what I said yesterday, and I can, I think, because it, it begs repeating, COVID had a lot of negative things around it. You know, I mean, lockdowns, and and I don't want to get into all of that. But there was also some things that COVID had that were positive. You know, I know it brought our family closer together because we had to kind of hang around with each other. We got to know each other a little bit better. But it also ran through the team that one year, and everybody got sick. And everybody got plucked out, right? And that included the two broadcasters, myself and, and Jamie Thomas. So Mitch was the lucky guy. I mean, he just happened to be right place, right time. And he did five games with me as the color guy when JT was sequestered in that hotel in Boston for like 17 <laughs> days. And I'm not exaggerating. It was like 17 days he was locked up in that room by himself. It was solitary, you know? <laughs> and then he filled in for me for four games when I got it as well. So. He had the opportunity to kind of get his feet wet. And then also, whether you want to call it that or not, it was a bit of an audition, I guess, for, for a day where maybe this came up, and it did. So I'm looking forward to working with Mitch. He's been around a long time. He knows the history of this team, as he, and he'll be able to convey that on the air. I'm looking forward to the first game tomorrow. Paul, Paul you know, the, we're, we're focused on the NHL guys, but there's a lot of young guys who we watched at development camp and we watched as they got ready for young stars but now they're up against the nhl guys so what have you noticed 
as these guys, like, again, my biggest takeaway yesterday was Chibrikov going fearlessly up against Brendan Dillon and coming up on the right side a couple of times. So have you taken anything away from any of these young players as they go up against NHL talent, and which is obviously a level above what they're used to seeing? See, I look, and I know exactly what you're saying, Dave, but I look at the guys that have been kind of pushing or trending there more recently. Mm -hmm. For instance, Declan Chisholm. Yep. I don't, let's just isolate him. Yeah. I don't know that you can hold that kid back. And that kid in his first NHL game in Detroit, right. I remember it was up the ice and impressed me. Yeah. Now he hasn't really got the opportunity. He had a great year last year with the Moose. He's on a one year deal. It's a bit of a gamble on his part and the organizations to see where they get to on this one year deal. But I look for him to push in. I still think guys like Lambert, Billy Hanela might be on the edge, but not as close to maybe pushing into the lineup oh, yeah. as a young guy yeah. like Declan. But I still think we need to keep our eyes on those guys because without having that moose opportunity right here in our own backyard, we wouldn't know as much about these players. And certainly you're the resident pro when it comes to the moose. And I say that with, with all you know admiration because you cover the team on a full-time basis. So you know who might be ready for that next step. And so that's what I'm looking for. But I don't think there's a lot of guys that are going to push in this year just based on the lineup that we've seen um, out here the last couple of days or since Thursday when they hit the ice. But you never know. I mean, you know, I remember Ben Sherratt talking to him, and he's had a great career, and he, he really kind of kick-started with the Winnipeg Jets playing with Dustin Bufflin. But he got drafted by the Atlanta Thrashers. He told me one time he was like 16th on the depth chart, yeah. thinking to himself, I'm never getting there. And then a rash of injuries happen. Next thing you know, you're a call-up from St. John's. And next thing you know, you're signing contracts in Montreal and moving along. And you're looked after for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you played a pretty solid NHL career as a defenseman. So anything can happen. Injuries can happen. You just have to be there putting in the work. A lot of these guys have. I will say this. If you think that there's a lot of intrigue and interest in how competitive the Jets are going to be, I'm equally as interested to see how the Moose do this year with all of those young guys and the influx of them. There'll be plenty of Manuk Moose minutes, Paul, I can tell you that. <laughs> Paul, shameless plug, eh, Drew? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. know what, he's shameless at the best of times. <laughs> Paul Edmonds, our guest here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, coming to you live from the Jets Fan Fest at Hockey for All Center. And, of course, we do you know, echo the, the words you said about Mitch, and Jamie Thomas isn't going anywhere. He's going to be doing a lot of work still for the Winnipeg Jets right. website. And given the shellacking I gave him in fantasy football last week, hopefully he'll have more time to do some more uh, fantasy football research as well. Do you know how many drafts he's in? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in most of them with him. Like so, yes. 47. It's, he's, like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I thought I was hardcore, and yeah. then uh, Jamie, when it comes to fantasy football, is on a whole Jamie's other hardcore. world. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's actually over the top. I don't know how he keeps track of what everything he's doing. Nonetheless, uh, you know, Rick Bonus talked a lot about defense. We know that. More from the power play was also a big subject yeah. that he mentioned. Yeah. You know, and this is going to be a new look power play. Blake Wheeler, who was such a fixture on the power play for a decade or so at this point in time, is obviously not going to be there anymore. You know, we haven't seen the team really start with the special teams drills. They don't usually do that necessarily this early in camp. How do you foresee that power play going to sort of align, or where do you think the Jets are going to be able to get that more juice from the squeeze on the power play? Well, the first thing is, and he kind of addressed this the other day. Now, the power play improved from two years ago to last year, and they, they want it to be even better. Right. They think they have the weapons to, to move it up a couple more notches on percentage points. 
but Nikolai Ehlers is going to factor into that number one power play opportunity and get more minutes that way and, and listen Nikolai has a great shot so he's probably going to be one of the shooter type guys he's not a passer what you are missing with Blake Wheeler is probably one of the premier passers in the league right but a guy that can really thread the needle so you got to find that and who that is going to be we're not sure but unfortunately and we might not see the power play or the penalty kill get set up and, and worked on for another few days maybe after these two games against Edmonton home and home but Nikolai's hurt right like he's supposed to return today had some neck spasms so we haven't really seen what he can do but he'll be first and foremost on the depth chart on that number one power play so that's that's one two I wonder if they move a guy like Adam Lowry into that middle just as that presence that big body there and and if they do I mean how does he kind of perform there or whether they keep it to sort of what they've always kind of done have that one-timer spot whether it was Shifley or before him line a I'm not sure I I think what you need to do is have a couple of variations because as we know there are no secrets in video anymore and and once you start to have some success in one area of the power play somebody's going to take that away from you I do believe and I've said this for a while I would like to see more shots from up top and we talk about Wheeler or Dubois or Shifley or Liney I think where the power play has been hurt the most was losing that shot of Dustin Bufflin's up top a few years ago and they haven't really replaced that now Josh Morrissey I think has the ability to become that playing alongside Dustin Bufflin for a few years but I would like to see more shots from up top and it doesn't have to be the cannonading drive as Danny Gallivan would say but it has to be something that you get through all that mess of skates and sticks to create the chaos inside the slot area and on top of the crease and then you can work the flanks if you want but I do believe it has to start up top and they've got a guy that can do that because he's such a cerebral guy and Josh Morrissey I think he'll be a key going forward to the power play at least the first unit. Ollie, I wanted to ask you about Shifley and Hellebuck because obviously I mean there was a lot of speculation throughout the summer we know that they're not going anywhere and you know I, I thought both of them did an admirable job asking pardon me answering the questions that everybody knew that was coming and you knew that they weren't going to give you I mean obviously like you could turn some of their comments and use them for an article but I, I just thought both of them did such a great job of basically saying we're here now we're here to win the Stanley Cup we're here to help do whatever we need to do to help this team and that is basically everything about whether I'm gonna sign a contract and stay here that's out of my control at this point what just what did you think of, of how they handled that even though like I said everybody knew those questions were coming from from Kenny Weeb and, and Kelly Moore and Mike McIntyre and everybody else because this is really going to be a storyline only off the ice these guys don't think about that as you know they focus on the next game that's in front of them a couple points from that as and that is this and I've said this to a number of people the Winnipeg Jets are a far better team with Mark Shifley's 42 goals in the lineup and a guy that has been a three-time Vesna candidate and a winner once in goal in Connor Hellebuck. So that's that's the bottom line. Number two, when I watch guys speak, when you know, as you mentioned, the questions are coming on one specific topic, on an expiring contract as a UFA, not restricted, not arbitration rights, UFA. I watch for body language and what they tell us. And I felt both guys on day one were genuine in saying that they wanted to be here 
felt that they had a, an opportunity to win and also wouldn't mind staying here if the opportunity presented for a contract extension. And I, I firmly believe that they both believe that and both want to stay. There's never been any talk about either one of them wanting out. Let's face it, when Pierre-Luc Dubois at his press conference last year and said, I kind of want to weigh my options, yeah. dot, 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 we knew because we'd, we'd been down that road with Jacob Truba before as a market here, right? And so your little antenna goes up. Mine did not on Thursday when both those guys spoke. So I think there's a real possibility here, gentlemen, that they could get both guys signed to an extension. What does that look like? I don't know. Is it five for both? Is it six? Does it start with an eight? Probably has to for both. You know, where do you get to? Those are all things that Kevin Sheveldayoff's going to weigh in, and then the representation of both players is going to weigh. But I do believe that both guys want to play here, want to stay here. And again, as I said off the top, I believe that these guys are better and the Jets are better with them in the lineup. Yeah, Paul, we were of the same opinion even last year, uh, saying that we didn't think that those, of the four, we thought those two were the ones who were most likely going to be sticking around for the for potentially for the long term. But you know what, I want to talk about one of those guys, but his partner in crime, Lauren Brassois. That's one of the things we were talking about just before you came on. What kind of impact we think Lauren Brassois is going to have? So I'm curious as to get your thoughts. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have, the return of Lauren Brassois, especially if he can stay healthy, of course, key, uh, to this Winnipeg Jets franchise, especially given, you know, Connor Hellebuck said a lot at the uh, during his presser, but I thought the comments at the end were the interesting ones in terms of his games played, because since he became a full-time pro, nobody's played more hockey, yep. nobody's seen more rubber than Connor Hellebuck. I think now this year, if anything, we'll see a little bit of a reduction to keep potentially to keep him fresh for the playoffs. Dave, there's been a trend in the National Hockey League for about the last five to seven years of, of taking a little bit of the workload off of your number one guy because you need to have him fresh in April, right, when the playoffs start. Uh, saw it, I guess, first with Tuka Rask in Boston. And whether the science works or not, you have to believe that there is something to it. So what does it look like? You've got an 82-game schedule. Let's just call it 80, just for sake of argument. Is it a 50-30? Probably not. Hellebuck Brossois. Is it a 55-25? That's maybe a little bit more to that sweet spot. But it will not be this. I mean, Connor Hellebuck has played 66, 67, 68 games at times. It will not be that. So I think somewhere in toward the high 50s for Hellebuck. And then Brossois gets a few more games. You know, the other thing, too, and we've talked about this in the past, and, and you wish no ill will and knock on wood, but Connor Hellebuck, the reason he's played all those minutes and all those games is he's always been healthy. Right? So there hasn't been the need for the backup to get kind of thrust into that primary role for a week, two weeks, a month. Mm -hmm. If that continues and it's status quo, then I, I think you see more minutes given to Lord Brossois, some of them shamed off Connor Hellebuck, and I do believe it would be advantageous for both goalies and the organization once they presumably get past April and the 82 games into playoff game number one. Radio voice of the Winnipeg Jets is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're broadcasting live on our YouTube channel. We're also at the Hockey for All Center, part of Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest. You know, Paulie, if you're one of those guys that's called the, the the fringe roster guys, the guys who weren't named 
by Rick Bonus in the starting 12 and the and the you know six defensemen when he sort of laid out his lines at the start of training camp. Are, are, are you using that as motivation or are you using that as sort of a setback that your name wasn't there? Are you using that as a yeah I got a bit of a chip on my shoulder now that I my name wasn't mentioned there and I'm going to use that to be a uh, to use that as motivation to, to drive my performance during training camp and prove the coaching staff and prove the management wrong per se. All of that. I, I wouldn't take it as a slight because let's face it, all these guys knew where this depth chart was coming in. If you were a fringe guy, you're looking in and going, hmm, don't know that this is gonna be my year. But if but if I put in the work and I play well, I might get the reward. And I guess case in point is, and Dave would know this better than than us collectively, a guy like Jeff Malott. Yeah. I mean, he's on the radar screen. For sure. And, and the reason that he's on the radar screen is he's been a good soldier at the NHL level for this organization. Yeah. He's played well. He's bided his time. Yeah. And they like him. Yeah. Exactly. For all of those reasons, including, most importantly, what he's done on, done on the ice. And he's a big body. Yeah. So just keep plugging away, I think. As long as the, they've given you the opportunity to put on a uniform and there's going to be injuries and there's going to be some fluctuation between the minors and, and your top team, then you have that opportunity. So I think you can motivate yourself by, by saying, I think I'm on the radar screen, I, I need to play well, but I wouldn't take it personally that you weren't mentioned in the starting 12 or 13 of the forward core or the top six or seven on the defensive core when it came to how Rick kind of orientated his roster the other day. You know, Paulie, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here by skipping past preseason because preseason, of course, doesn't start until tomorrow. Get a little closer to the mic here. I'm getting a little excited. It's getting busy in here. It's it feels like crowd. in the last five minutes, a couple of hundred people have just walked in. But and, and they're all chanting Ezzy, which is really, no. which is really particularly weird. No, they're definitely not. But kind of stepping back and looking at this team in the Central Division, I think you would agree. Well, I shouldn't say I think. I, I think you might agree that this Central Division. Is just as wide open as it was last year when the Jets were battling the Predators for that last playoff spot. Like, yes, Colorado added some players. I mean, obviously Dallas added Matthew Shane, which is a big move. The Jets made made some moves themselves. But I guess when you look at this Jets team, and we know that the goal isn't just to make the playoffs, it's to go deep in the playoffs. But with all of this new talent that's come in, especially when it comes to the forward depth, do you not look at this as as a perfect opportunity for this team to improve by 10 points and can this team not win the division like I think this team could easily win the central division again Paulie getting way ahead of myself here but I just feel like we talked about Lauren Bersois upgrade over David Riddick you know better forward depth with Ayafalo, Kupari and, and Dave Velarde when you've got Vlad Domestikov on your fourth line right now I mean that could change but to me it just seems like Yes, it's training camp, it's fresh and everything like that, but it just seems like, I mean, this team has just as good a, a chance as anybody to prevail in the center. Domestikov not only on the fourth line, but playing on his off wing. Right. You know, I mean, I want to say this, because I've, I've delved into a little bit about what I think in the North Division at this point, and, you know, how does Ryan O'Reilly help the Nashville Predators? I mean, where are they really? I think once you get past the two heavyweights, as you mentioned, in Colorado and Dallas, anything's wide open. And I do believe 
that the Winnipeg Jets will have a chance at third in their division. I believe they'll be a competitive team that will make the playoffs. I think I said that a couple years back on this program, and I was one of the few guys that actually picked them for the playoffs, and somebody tweeted that out, so thanks very much. It was a little bit of a, yeah. a latent reaction cue, here, but cue thank the you. Tape. Yeah, cue the tape. But I, I don't know about Minnesota. I They kind of caught fire last year. They did it a certain way. They don't have Reeves anymore. They're not, to me, that motorcycle gang that they were last year. Uh, I don't know about St. Louis. They're kind of, are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? Are they looking to the same with Nashville? Arizona, Chicago. You know, it'll be interesting to watch when Connor Bedard comes to town and playing with Taylor Radish and Taylor Hall. I'm looking forward to seeing that, but it's not going to be enough for them to challenge. So I really believe that you've got four teams, including Minnesota and Winnipeg, the two heavyweights. They're going to battle for some playoff spots and probably third in the division. And I believe third is wide open for the Winnipeg Jets taking because I don't believe that Minnesota is going to be that much improved. And I do believe the Jets might slightly improve enough to get to that spot. Um, so, you know, all you want to do, and we've heard this repeatedly the last couple of years, is just get in. And then if you are built a certain way, you get some goaltending, you'll be fortunate to maybe get through the first round and, and beyond. But I think you've got to get there first. And the way it's kind of configured and constructed for the Jets, I believe that they have that opportunity to get there and not just get in through a wild card like last year, but maybe challenge for one of the top spots in their division. You know, Paul, like, we're here. We're surrounded by people. There's a, a massive humanity. Let's take the focus off the ice, even though we're literally sitting on, <laughs> on ice right now. But what do you think this means? Because, I mean, to you as a broadcaster, seeing all these people, because if you remember... It's been since, I mean, they had this last year. There was, you mentioned COVID. This, this has been removed. Players haven't seen this. Players haven't experienced this. What do you think this connection to the fans means again? Because to me, it's so important what they lost over those years of that lack of connectivity between the community and the teams, Jets and Moose, especially the Moose because they were so involved in the community and they go out there, but both clubs. And now they have an opportunity to walk down and see this many people. So what do you think something like this does to reinforce how important this is in the community? You're right. It did diminish for various reasons, but it was never lost on the organization in trying to get it back. And I think we've seen the arrival of that again. The pl this place is packed. Yeah. And the skate's going on, the training camp skate, the 10 o'clock skate, it's jammed over in the PCL rink. Used to be free press, used to be Subway, <laughs> Canadian Tire. I mean, I, the illegal curve yeah, ring, yeah, Paul, illegal, that's what we're calling it. Curve ring. I think it's PCL construction <laughs> now. But it's packed. They, they slightly outbid us for the name. That was it. That was neck and neck <laughs> battle. You know, our revenues are almost equal. They went to three years, you guys could only go to two. That's, so that's, that's right. why they got yeah, it. That's right. It was, it was term. We it was money. It was term. Coupons. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a connection here. And there always has been. And I do believe that with a couple of moves, there is some excitement again and intrigue into okay how is my team going to do this year i want to see and people are proud of this team and and always have been and always will be but i do believe that we saw it at d camp with rutger mcgrory right he was a fan favorite yeah. taking pictures you know kissing babies putting his arm around <laughs> older ladies and you know getting you know i think he's the new premier on october 3rd he or might something. be he might be uh, he's running as an independent by the way uh, <laughs> uh, but that's the kind of connectivity that you're talking yeah. about and that's what needs to happen here and it got 
not necessarily lost, but it wasn't as firm as it had been in the past. And I think we're seeing that uh, that soldering of that connection again today. But it started in D camp. Yeah. Um, I do believe the players are understanding of of what it takes in this market, the smallest market in the National Hockey League. You have to be connected to those that are potentially ticket buyers or are ticket buyers because if you don't have them, you don't have anything, and you won't have this franchise here. Paul Edmonds, the radio voice of the Winnipeg Jets, a great friend of this program for oh so many years. It's always good to see you in person. We look forward to your great calls again this year. It's going to start right around the corner. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow yeah. at 5 o'clock Central. There you go. So CJOB, we'll Power 97, simulcast on both those great stations. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. My pleasure for coming down. Have a great show, and uh, we'll see you. You know, you've got my number. We do. Call me anytime. I'll be available as the season goes you, along. You know, now that, you know, the season's starting, usually we text you, like, I'm in the deer hunting stand that yeah. weekend. <laughs> I'm on the boat. I'm casting yeah, yeah. a line that day. You know. I'm you at know. my kid's game. There well, you go. Exactly. Every <laughs> time I'm around St. Andrews and Lockport, I'm always calling Paulie, but he never answers. So I, I just keep going right to Lactabani. So. This is a great setup. You guys need to do this more. We're going to get out more. of the studio. Yeah. We're yeah. going to be out, we're gonna be out in, the, in the community more this year. A yeah. lot more details on that to come of course over the next couple weeks but and we'll get be... you some hairspray thank you i appreciate <laughs> yeah. that just a little black spray on top there i appreciate that at least to oh. get the glare away the glare is too bright it's it bouncing off my head oh, thank you paulie yeah, yeah good pleasure guys there you go paulie edmonds Thanks, joining Paul. us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show we're live here at the hockey for all center jets a fan fest uh we're gonna go into a little bit of overtime Do we have a break still or no no i think we took three we did. We took one at 9.30. Did we, we do one, one before Paul came on? We, did. we took one before Paul right. came on. Yeah, we've taken all of our breaks. There, he's, Paulie's giving us the thumbs up. There's so much going on. If all right, shift back over. We got yeah, so much. We're a little too tight here. Yeah. Come on. If you're in and around. I don't need uh, to smell you that much, Drew. <laughs> if you're in and around uh, Hockey for All Center, the West Portage area, come on down. Check us out. We've even um, got a legal curve mini sticks. we got a legal curve mini and sticks, a legal curve pucks. Winnipeg Sports Talk is going to go live. I have watched Remus and Huss take at least, I don't know, 10, 12, It looks like a kissing 15, booth, like, for God's sake. Wow, like these guys are popular. Like they can't even, they can't even like sip their coffee. They're taking so many pictures, signing so many autographs. So they, now they know what it's like to be just, true. Sorry, just Marco's asking if the New Jersey has been unveiled. That's at 1145. Yeah. We'll have that on IllegalCurve.com That's and right. all of our different social media. Our photographers here is the snapping photos. Yeah. Winnipeg Sports Talk is going to go live a little bit later after the Jersey unveiling is what we told okay. So you can tune into a special edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk coming up. At the about, Winnipeg uh, Sports Talk kissing booth it's going to be called. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think we're around at 12.15, 12.30. They're going to go live, but you can follow them, of course, on their YouTube channel and here at Hockey for All Center. This has been a ton of fun, guys. It is a lot of fun to get back out in the community and out of the studio or the studio and you know our, our windowless basement so the case may be but it's been a ton of fun it's been great being back in person with both of you i guess a final thought from both of you through the first few days of training camp uh, what you've seen your impressions and what you want to see as the preseason gets underway and uh, the start of the regular season rapidly approaches i think i think you know look i've been here every day i've been watching they've been long days they've been interesting days though i have to say although it, it, this jersey reveal time could have been maybe half an hour later so i could have gone and done media then and done dave's media. been spending an average of 14 and a half hours <laughs> here at hockey for all center it's true but but because legalcurve.com and the youtube channel demand that we keep them updated they've got to be the boys so that's why we do it but 
the fact is, you know what, I, I am enjoying watching the guys, like the new guys, Rasmus Kupari, guys who I didn't know anything about. You know, the um, Alex Ayafalo, I didn't really know what to, again, we saw the Kings last year three times, but we didn't, again, key in on those players That's now Ayafalo in a Jets jersey. That's right. So like, yeah, like you said, you might have seen him play a lot with the LA Kings, but now you want to see what he looks like with his teammates on the ice, Exactly, right? so it, it's a different look that you're used to seeing these guys. So, and especially because Rick Bonus has sent Gabe, obviously Gabe Velarde, and how he mashes with Al Connor and Mark Scheifele. You know, I, I think that the, the interesting thing, and I've been seeing this, you know, to our media brethren uh, the last couple days, is that now that Sean Scheifele and, and Hellebuck have answered the questions, really there's not an and, because Rick has essentially established what the look of this team could be on day one of the regular season there really isn't a ton of questions so in terms of like storylines now it's more about you know just the interest in terms of like Paul was talking about the Declan Chisholm's the Ville Hainolas watching them watching the guys on the bubble as the 13th forward David Gustafson how's he gonna have his camp that sort of thing so that's what I'm watching in addition to the guys who I'm going to be following very closely on the moose. And the reality is, like, Chaz Lucius and, and, and Brad Lambert, I wasn't asking Paul in the sense that, hey, are those guys going to be making the Jets roster out of training camp because I wasn't anticipating that, but more just to see how they continue up against the NHL talent and how, again, this is going to be a very young moose team, but it's going to be a very, it was already a young one last year. I'm not turning this into a moose minute. I'm too, it's too much is going on for me to be able to get to the button, but I would if I could. But the fact is that there's so many, and, and I mean, again, there's so many guys I haven't even mentioned. The Torgesons, the Nikonins, Dimitri Kuzman. Again, very exciting young, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, forward, a defenseman, sorry, who played for the Flint Firebirds last year. So there's going to be a lot of young defensive Jets prospects, I should say, who are going to be on the moose. There's a lot of a lot of exciting things to watch. So there's 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 a lot more to go, but it's 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 been a lot of fun. And again, like I said, we'll have everything covered for everybody on illegalcurve.com. Right, and I mentioned this earlier. Unlike Dave, Drew, and I haven't been at training camp. We've just been reading about training camp, watching clips, listening to all the scrums, everything like that. But you know, we can easily and you singled out a lot of players there, Dave, and those would be the same players, you know, that I would be pointing to, like yeah. the guys that are on the bubble, right? The new players, the LA, the three LA Kings, we were calling them the uh, Los Angeles Triumvirate or yeah. whatever we were yeah, calling yeah. it. Um, but to me, it looks like, like looking, stepping back and just looking at training camp as a whole. I mean, of course, you know, it's, it's a fresh start. It's a fresh start every year, but you know, it really has felt for me, at least from a distance, with Blake Wheeler gone for the first time, he's not at a Jets training camp since the team returned. You know, no Pierre-Luc Dubois the second year. I mean, like, it does feel like even though there is that element of unpredictability with this team because there's so many new players and, you know, other teams in the division have gotten better. Like, yeah. I, I go back to Dallas with Matt Duchesne. Like, Dallas was one of the best teams in the Central last year. Forget if they finished first or second. They might have finished first. Forget. They finished first? I have to go back and check. That was too long ago. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Matt Duchesne makes a good team even better. So the Central, I agree with Drew, it's arguably the weakest division in the NHL, or it's not one of the stronger divisions. But so, so for me, that's what has stood out to me. Like, you can you can feel it, even though, like I said, I should mention, haven't been there. Anybody watching or following this team knows that there is a fresh uh, aspect, uh, a feeling, I should say, a fresh feeling uh, around this team. So to me, that's kind of what stood out. And yeah, it's going to be fun now to watch these guys in preseason. 
and see how they gel because everybody wants to see, you know, are Shifley and Velarde going to have instant chemistry together? And they've certainly looked good in training camp for what I've seen and read about. So um, that's kind of what has stood out to me so far in the first four days of training camp. And, you know, just if I can just kind of also add a comment, it's great to be back here. We talked about producer Tim is obviously the one that has, you know, made this all really function properly. Um, I think it's been four or five years since we've broadcast. It was back in the TSN 1290 days, so it's just great to be here, see Rowdy, the Dutch Jets fan, you know, all the, you know, loyal IC Nation and everybody just in general. It's just great to see everybody. This has always been a fun event and a great event for us to be part of. And it never gets old seeing young Jets fans, you know, getting autographs or giving Benny or Mickey Moose a high five. It's, it's always fun, so thanks to the Jets for letting us broadcast here. And like I said, Thanks to Timmy for uh, you know making this all happen because there would be no audio if it wasn't for Tim. <laughs> well, and a, a couple of things I just wanted to add in quick. Um, first of all, I'm going to reiterate at this point, Tim has made this happen, and producer Tim will be with us all season long during these live shows. So get get to know him and producer Tim, of is course. Tim, is Tim agreed to that, by the way? Like, if we, <laughs> yes. if we got Tim's name yes. on a contract, yeah, yeah, Tim, Tim's locked in. But, but and in fact, if you want to see producer Tim, some folks were asking to see producer Tim. There's a picture of him on yesterday's recap of the day as he was setting up, getting it all ready because he came early in the morning. A couple things, though, I wonder. I thought Tim was on OnlyFans. Can't see people see him there. <laughs> you know what? Maybe he's got an extra page. And we're, this is, now we're into the after dark portion yeah, of Illegal Curve. Say, it's only 11 in the morning. And then there are two young kids who are staring at Ezzy going, what does that mean, Ezzy? <laughs> but regardless of that, I two things I wanted to mention quick. The other one was, nothing makes you feel older than Mark Shifley saying it was his 13th training camp. Like, that kind of blew my mind when he's like, yeah, this is my 13th uh, training camp. And I was like, wow, it's already been 13 years. The other thing also, we didn't really mention, Colby Barlow signing his three-year yep. entry-level yep. contract. Of course, so much has been going on in the show. We'll get to it a little bit. Of course, he was dealing with the flu, so he didn't get a chance to talk about it. I'm sure when he does, whether that's day or not tomorrow necessarily, but in the next couple days, we'll have that featured. But anyway, so... Shout out to producer Tim. Shout out to everybody here because it's been a great thing. And one last shout out, Baba Shirley, happy 96th birthday. Yeah, there you go. But happy birthday, Baba Shirley, again. Big thanks to all of you for joining us. Big thanks to the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the Saturday show, the post game show, the website a possibility. Our friends of Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market, Devil Center, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, and Grid Park. Support these fine businesses because of their because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. We appreciate everyone coming down to join us in person today at the Hockey for All Center. We appreciate all of you Watch who joined Winnipeg us. Sports Talk. Huss has never looked better. We appreciate all of you who joined us, of course, on our YouTube channel as well. We'll be back next Saturday for another edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. But illegalcurve.com and our social media are updated non-stop as events warrant big thanks to everybody big thanks to producer tim big thanks to my buddy ezzy big thanks to my buzzy da buddy buzzy. dave i'm your host drew mindell thanks for You're joining us this buzzy, morning dave. on the illegal curve hockey show thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.